evening, time being 7 o'clock, I call the July 20th, 2022 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Announcements from the chair. All citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone or you may click the Zoom link that is posted on the agenda and on the town's website. Okay. The phone number is 929-205-6099 and the Zoom ID is 874-5339-1045 and then you need to hit the pound sign. Once again, the Zoom ID is 874 5339 the council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks appropriate consideration and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Please, uh, just come forward, name and address, please. Um, good evening, my name is Kathy Trefathen, 3 Rizzoli Circle, Franklin. I'm a lifelong resident of Massachusetts and have lived in Franklin, Franklin for the past 20 years. I love this state, living here has helped shape who I am, and I am grateful Massachusetts remains my home. I'm here tonight to describe a problem and my fellow advocate Steve Tadarian will describe a way that Franklin can be part of the solution. The Massachusetts State Seal, which is all the, also the main feature on our state flag, which is right behind Melanie, often not seen because it's usually draped like that. It has always been deeply offensive to Native Americans, the original inhabitants of the land we now all share. If you could look at the diagram in front of you, the sword you see being held by a disembodied white arm is modeled on Miles Standish's broadsword. It is known that Miles Standish was reprimanded for the extensive killing of Native people by the group he worked for, the Pilgrims. Under the arm and sword is a caricature of an indigenous person's image. The Native face is modeled from a photograph of a Chippewa chief from Montana. The body is from a Native skeleton that was dug up in Winthrop. 
The belt design is modeled after one believed to belong to Metacomet, King Philip, whose severed head was displayed on a pike in Plymouth for several decades. The downward pointed arrow in the hand indicates a pacified native person. The beginning of the current state motto, which is written in Latin, translates as, by the sword we seek peace. Native Americans have long experienced this image as promoting ideals of violence, conquest, and oppression towards indigenous people. The seal is one in a series of state seal designs used since Massachusetts was a colony. The current seal was designed in the late 1800s to replace one that had been in use since the end of the Revolutionary War. There is no record of any native ever being involved in the process of a Commonwealth seal design. In 2021, after 40 years of consistent work by natives and their allies, the Mass State Legislature passed a bill that established the 19-member Special Commission on the Official Seal and Model of the Commonwealth. The role of the Special Commission is to study the flag, seal, and model and make recommendations for change. The commission includes six Native Americans, making this the first time any Natives have been consulted. Jeff Roy, Becca Rauch, and Karen Spiltra all voted to establish this commission. Some language from the bill. Ensure that the sale and model faithfully reflect and embody the historic and contemporary commitments of the Commonwealth to peace, justice, liberty, and equity, equality. After a full review of the historical record, the Commission voted unanimously in May 2022 to seek a complete redesign of the flag, seal, and model. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, is there anyone else? Yes. Thank sure. You. Just name and address, please. Hi, I'm Steve Dedarian. I live at 10 Regent Circle in Franklin and have for close to 40 years. Um, like many, I was unaware of racist issues with our state flag in Seattle until it was brought to my attention. And actually, the person who heads up the changethemassflag.com, David Detmold, is in the audience tonight, and he helped bring it to my attention. Um, once I was made aware, I knew in good conscience uh, this must be remedied. Like Kathy, I too am proud of our Commonwealth, especially our long history of respect for our diverse citizenry. The time is overdue to have our flag and seal reflect our values. We're here tonight to request an important step towards this, whereby Franklin can be part of the solution. We're asking that the Franklin Town Council pass a resolution in support of changing the mass flag, seal, and motto. Native Americans and others want state symbols that reflect aspirational ideals of a more just future, of learning, of equality, and inclusion. They continue to need our support and affirmation for these reasons. The commission deadline is the end of December 2022. It is not unknown for state commissions to fail to meet a deadline, which in this case would require all advocacy to start over again from the beginning. When this type of commission does complete, does complete their work, the full legislature then needs to vote on the recommendations made by the commission in order to, for any changes to be implemented. Passing this resolution as before you tonight demonstrates that support for a new flag seal, flag and seal, and motto clearly extends beyond the native community. Community support for a change in the mass state flag, seal, and motto is information that the commission and legislature both need and want to hear. 
Franklin can be part of changing the four-decade pattern of ignoring the call from indigenous leaders to change the state seal. Everyone will be better represented by new state symbols that do justice to the best of what the Commonwealth has to offer. Our natural beauty, value for education, the arts, innovation, and entrepreneurship, as well as honoring our diversity. Of the 54 communities who have had the opportunity to pass the resolution, 52 have passed it. All of us, as individuals and as communities, have stories. We have histories. The current mass symbols will always be a part of our story, reflecting the time, place, understandings of when they were developed. But we should now take this important first step towards new state symbols that better reflect our current understanding and values, that proudly reflect aspirational ideals of a more just future, learning, equality, and inclusion. We sincerely hope <clears throat> that passing this resolution will give us one more reason to be proud of living in Franklin and Massachusetts. In the words of Maya Angelou, do the best you can until you know better. Then, when you know better, do better. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Please just come forward, name and address, please. Colin Cass, 146 Long Hill. I'd just like to add my support to that suggestion that uh, the town pass a resolution in favor of replacing the flag with a more appropriate symbol. If you think about what a flag is, it is absolutely nothing but a symbol. And if the symbolism is poor, something's really wrong. So time to fix it. Thank you. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Okay, is there anyone out in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Not seeing anybody. Okay, moving on. The next item on the agenda is approval of minutes. I would entertain a motion to approve the minutes from June 8th, 2022. So moved. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, additions, deletions. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, now entertain a motion to approve the minutes from June 22nd, 2022. So moved. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, additions, deletions. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? <coughs> motion carries. Okay, next item on the agenda is proclamations and recognitions, and we have two this evening. Uh, the first one is a proclamation honoring Margaret Peg Simpson on her 100th birthday, and I ask <coughs> Councilor Hammy. Is she here? Yes, she is. She's here. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'll go over this yeah, side you don't, you don't have to. She's coming to you. I'm just going to read this to you. Okay. Thank you for being here. Happy birthday. 
amazing. You can stand right here with me if you want. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you can read it with me. <laughs> it's okay, I can't either. <laughs> Happy birthday. Thank you, because I lost my hair Oh, no, I didn't know that. Oh, yes, and then I got some of your bed, but I, I can't. You can't read? No, I can't see it. I can't see. Okay, well, I will read it to you. Okay. Okay? Town of Franklin, a proclamation honoring Margaret Peg Simpson on the occasion of her 100th birthday. Whoa. Whereas Margaret Peg, Peg Simpson was born on May 9th, 1922. Uh -huh. Is that right? Did yeah. we get it right? Good. Okay. And whereas Peg is a lifelong resident of Franklin who graduated from Franklin High School and worked nearby as an LPN at Rentham State School for 40 years. 44. Oh. <laughs> Alicia, 44 years. <laughs> well, like, someone write that in there. Okay. It's close enough. Whereas, among countless adventures and interests throughout her life, Peg has enjoyed national and international travel with family and friends, dancing, and being an active member of St. Mary's Parish in Franklin. And whereas Peg has two nephews whom she greatly adores and still lives in Franklin where she enjoys taking walks around Central Park Terrace and dining at her favorite spot, Nikki's. That's not in Franklin though, right? <laughs> 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 and, and whereas Peg recently celebrated her 100th birthday and has wished continued celebration, good health, and much happiness on this moment, momentous and special occasion. Now, therefore, be it known that Margaret Peg, Peg Simpson is recognized with warmth and best wishes by the town council of the town of Franklin on the occasion of her 100th birthday, July 20, 2022, signed by Thomas D. Mercer, chairman of the Franklin Town Council. Okay. okay. <laughs> Special guest that came this oh, evening. Oh, you get another one. You. Huh? I think uh, um, Representative Roy. Massachusetts. Uh -huh. I was in the state house all day. I had to leave and get in the traffic. Uh, there's horrible traffic on the Mass Pike. Horrible traffic on King Street. When is that going to be paid? <laughs> <laughs> but I have to be here because this was your 100th birthday. And, I can't uh, believe it. I can't believe it at all. 
but uh, I wish you had danced with me that day at prom. I stood on that wall. You didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> we get back together. God has brought us back together. And uh, full prunes. <laughs> full prunes. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> I know what you mean now. <laughs> This is uh, congratulating Margaret Mary Simpson on the occasion of her 100th birthday. Whereas Margaret Mary Simpson was born on May 9, 1922 in Franklin, Massachusetts, where she was raised and has remained for her entire life, where she graduated from Franklin High School. We did hear that earlier. Yeah. Became a licensed practical nurse and worked for 44 years at the Rutherford State School. How many? 44. Oh, I thought you said 34. No, 44. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. I tell you, you're tough. Whereas Peg also worked as a waitress at the King Philip Ballroom, where she enjoyed meeting many celebrities, including Tony Bennett, Thomas Mercer, and where she was gifted an orchid by the Dawson Brothers. And who the heck are the Dawson Brothers? I don't know. Which she then gave to her mother. And as a dance enthusiast, not with me, but she danced with other people, uh, she, uh, Peg enjoyed going out dancing with her friends at both the King Philip Ballroom and in Federal Hill. I only know restaurants in Federal Hill. You can dance yet. Why, we didn't dance in restaurants. We okay. went to the ballrooms. Well, all right, in Federal Hill. I didn't know they had ballrooms. But uh, you also have a lifelong love of travel, and you travel across the country with your mother and aunt, as well as internationally with your friends. Where in Austria, is this all true? Over Europe. You led a conga line out of a restaurant with the chef and patrons all through the town. But you wouldn't dance with me. You have two left feet. All right. And whereas Peg is a woman of great faith and love of family who served as a Eucharistic minister at St. Mary's Parish and as the treasurer of the Society of the St. Vincent de Paul, and she is devoted to her two nephews, Carl and Mark, and their families, and at 100 years old, Peg still lives on her own where she walks most days, enjoys clam chowder, a hot dog from Nicky's, and you're gonna come into the State House and we're gonna go across the street to the Capitol coffee shop. I had a hot dog for lunch, fabulous. I wanna try it with you. And then a daily York peppermint patty, and the occasional, does that say Budweiser? Uh -huh. You enjoy it, kid? <laughs> <laughs> right. well, that a girl. <laughs> <laughs> this resolution had to be brought onto the House floor, uh -huh. and it had to be voted on, uh -huh. and you got 100 and, uh, 160 votes because of the Budweiser. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, that the members of the Massachusetts House of Representatives join with the family and friends of Margaret Mary Simpson in extending their congratulations on her 100th birthday, offering best wishes for her good health and continued happiness as she embarks on new journeys, endeavors, and goals of fulfillment, and be it further resolved that a copy of these resolutions be forwarded by the clerk of the Massachusetts House of Representatives to Margaret Mary Simpson, and signed by Ronald Mariano, the Speaker of the House, Stephen T. James, the Clerk of the House, and myself, whose great honor and privilege it is to be U.S. State Representative. So good. Congratulations. Okay. <laughs> Beloved 
President uh, Governor Baker and Lieutenant Governor Karen Polito heard about this occasion and they wanted to be part of the festivities. So they asked me to pass along this uh, uh, Commonwealth of Massachusetts proclamation uh, from the governor and lieutenant governor. And it says, on behalf of the citizens of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, I congratulate you on the joyous occasion of your 100th birthday. And it's signed by both Charles Baker and Karen Polito. So you enjoy the fruits of all of your labor. And uh, next time, I'll ask you to dance. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. Uh, our next proclamation is for High School's Unified Basketball Game. I'll come around. Please, athletes, come forward. Welcome to come right around here, that's fine. Okay. Town of Franklin. Honoring Franklin Unified Basketball Team on winning the gold medal at the 2022 Special Olympics. Whereas in June of 2022, for the first time in the history of the Special Olympics USA Games, a high school interscholastic level of competition was included in the Games. And after competing in a jamboree that took place in November of 2021, the Franklin Unified Basketball Team was selected to represent the state of Massachusetts in this historic first time event. And whereas after months of weekly practices, skill strengthening and team building, the Franklin Unified Team traveled to Orlando, Florida in June of 2022 to represent Massachusetts in a competition against 14 other participating states in the Special Olympics, which consisted of a four-game preliminary round followed by two final meddling rounds. And whereas on June 9th, the Franklin Unified team won their first medal round game against Connecticut by one point, which clinched their spot in the final game. And on June 10th, in another extremely well-played match against the state of Oregon, this incredible group of athletes came back from a two-point deficit with 30 seconds left to play, scored four points, and won the gold medal. And whereas every step of the way from the initial qualifying jamboree until the final moments of that last nail-biting game, the Franklin Unified team demonstrated excellence in sportsmanship, skill, and knowledge of play. 
each member contributing with individual standout performances and all players together demonstrating what strong teamwork and tireless effort can accomplish. And whereas the Franklin Unified Basketball Team is congratulated with pride by the town of Franklin on this historic and inspirational achievement, now therefore be it known that the Franklin Bas Unified Basketball Team is congratulated and commended by the Town Council of the Town of Franklin on winning the gold medal at the 2022 Special Olympics. Signed, Thomas D. Marissa, Chairman, Franklin Town Council. coaches uh, who support us every step of the way. They've worked tirelessly from the day we uh, started the program uh, and tried out for that jamboree to uh, the day we won the gold medal. Uh, Coach Berger, Coach Rice, I can't thank you guys enough for everything you guys did for me. Uh, I have a lot of food allergies, so they went a, a big step of the way. They went out of their way to make sure I was supported. Uh, Audrey over here also has a lot of food allergies and same thing. Coach Berger does herself too, so four out of the twelve of us, you know, struggling in the food court every night, but you know, so we got, got our food, Chipotle, Domino's, everything. Um, I just want to thank my uh, teammates for uh, just the unreal memories and things that will last a lifetime. And yeah, I just had a great time down in Florida and that whole experience um, from the day we had the Jamboree to the last day was just a surreal experience and I can't, uh, the words can't describe how grateful I am to be a part of this program. Thank you also to all of you for this wonderful honor and to the town of Franklin for the ongoing support and acknowledgement that this team has gotten. These kids worked so hard for everything and the acknowledgement is completely heartwarming and very much appreciated. So thank you very much. short two-minute uh, recess just so we can take a couple of pictures with uh, our athletes. Okay, I'm doing the July 20th, 2022 Town Council meeting back to order. Uh, next item on the agenda is appointments. Uh, clerk will read the appointments. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. These are, this is an appointment. Before the election worker, the town clerk has submitted uh, the list of names attached hereto as Exhibit 1 to be appointed as election workers for the upcoming 2022 election. Uh, motion to appoint the persons whose names appear on Exhibit 1 as election workers as requested by the town clerk. <coughs> Joyce Adams, Lucille Albert, Janine Hesperson, Terry Adnello, Denise 
Patrick Tony, Ann Bisanti, Cindy Butchess, uh, Sandy Brand Fun Brenner, uh, Pam Carrier, Colin Cass, Sue Cass, Carl Tiedequist, uh, Kathy Collinier, Elisa Checkaway, Stephen Checkaway, uh, Philip Chilson, Richard Ciccone, Elizabeth Cook, Stephen Cook, Donna Capone, Paula Coughlin, Joanne Cusson, uh, Denise Sear, uh, Janice D'Asandro, Luis D'Amico, uh, Mary Beth DeRico, Marianne DiPietro, Roberta Daugherty, uh, Deirdre Donovan, Effie Donovan, Nancy Dowd, Mary Downey, Jillian Dwyer, Alan Earls, uh, Haley Elwell, and Diane Ewanchuk. <coughs> Camille Famine, Scott Flott, uh, Colette Ferguson, Marilyn Fico, Sharon Felisa, Linda Guilitano, <coughs> Barbara Gardner, Robert Gardner, Pam Gatewood, Gloria Galino, Jean Gentile, Cynthia Glichoff, Patricia Corman, Emma Bullock, Dan Daniel Grasso, Emily Hallett, Janet Haddleman, Kathleen Hammond, Mary Harrigan, Diane Harrelson, John Hiss, Gary Hodgkin, Julie Hopkins, Steve Howe, Joyce Hutchins, Hutchinson, Judy Hines, Carol Fix, Janet Jouette, Linda Jones, Paula Jerez, Leslie Kaplan, Carol Kotz, Kevin Kearns, Karen Kearns, William Kelly, Linda Kelly, and Barbara Ann Kelly. <coughs> Get in here. Mary Kinney, Sophie Cripp, uh, David Labonte, uh, Mike Langmuir, Langmuir, Randy LaRosa, Diane Lind, Marianne Lanati, uh, Maria Lucier, Elizabeth McMillan, Mary Meyer, Phyllis uh, Malcolm, Michelle Malloy, Maureen Malloy Lani, Jane Ellison, John Mans, Andrea Marsaglia, Gil Madness, Matthew McCaffrey, Leslie McCaffrey, Aaron McCaffrey, Laura McCaffrey, Joy Mercer, Kareen Minkle, Judith Ann Melinaro, Patricia Morrison, Amy Muse, Amy Mullen, Cynthia Norian, Marisa O'Donnell, Marianne Oppenheimer, Joyce Patterson, Martha Petbe, Christine Pino, Barbara Pizzani, uh, Jamie Pisani, Joyce Pisani, Gail Potter, Kimberly Perdrio, Diane Prince, Loretta Ruttenberg, Carol Richino, Paula Rencas, uh, Susan Robb, Leslie Robinson, Barbara Rondo, Maureen Sabalinski, James Santero, Patricia Santero, Stephen Shulthesis, uh, Joanne Shanahan, Tony Smith, Frederick Smith, Diane Stavely, Roseanne, uh, I thought you this one. Mm -hmm. thank you. Michelle Tedesca, Elaine Tolman, Richard Tomono, Teresa Tomono, Matthew Trahan, Jill Raggio, Raggi, uh, Eric Weinhold, Nancy Whitehouse, Nancy Wilka, uh, Patty Wiley, Deborah Zakowski, and Jane Zeman. My apologies to anyone. 
So uh, that's, that was a motion. Do we have a second? Second. Motion and a second. Discussion on the motion. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? And I think I probably should abstain. So I'll abstain. <laughs> motion carries. Mr. Chairman, I think it marks Okay. Moving on. Next item, uh, hearings. We don't have any this evening. No license transactions. Presentations and discussions. Uh, the first one this evening is the Elks Rider donation and presentation. Jamie, you want to do a lead in? Sure. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. So, with us tonight, Rich and the uh, Elks Riders and our veterans uh, agent, Shannon Nisbet, to make a short presentation. And then um, I just want to note, Mr. Chairman, that the legislation for action for the acceptance is the first one on the list. So if you want to, you can take it out of order from the other discussion. I will absolutely do that. Great. Thank you. So as most of you saw last year, uh, welcome to be back. And again, we did another charity ride this year. Uh, and we would like to donate $1,000 to the Veterans Gift Fund. Um, and I probably should introduce who I have with me this time. So I have Peter Diamond, who's our, he's our treasurer. I have Kurt Van Bolton, and he's one of our road captains. Uh, so we do these runs every year, uh, and I prefer to keep it in the town if we can. So this is a very good uh, cause, and this is what the, the riders do. And we are we're all over New England. Uh, we go basically everywhere, help every other you know uh, Elks organization out doing the same thing. We support them; they come down and they support us. It's a great thing. We all have fun. So I would like to give offer you this check to the Franklin. Veterans Gift Fund for $1,000. Thank you. On behalf of the town, Mr. Chairman, and Franklin Veterans Services, I want to thank um, Rich Gately and the Elks Riders Club, Lodge 2136, for this generous donation um, today and for their sustained support. The Veterans Gift Fund is a very important fund that helps um, veterans and spouses in crisis situations. We are seeing a small uptick in these types of situations right now due to increasing cost of living across the board. And so I'm really grateful for this from the bottom of my heart. Um, I'd like to mention the Elks Club uh, supports uh, veteran services in other ways with their oil for vets program. And they're also coordinating a uh, dinner dance for the Monument Restoration Fund at the Elks Lodge on August 6th. I wanna mention a couple other donations tonight to the Veterans Fund briefly from Ginley Funeral Homes, a $500 donation to the Monument Restoration Fund, and also a donation from Grove Street Auto, Auto for the Veterans Municipal Fund. 
Um, the municipal fund complements the gift fund by providing um, emergency resources for uh, food, heating, fuel, and transportation costs. So um, I want to thank all of our donors, all supporters of Franklin Veterans Services, and um, thank the Alps Club so, so much for this donation um, and the Alps Riders. Thank you guys so much. Continue to raise the funds and, and help support local veterans. That's what we're all about. I'm also a veteran. Peter is also a veteran. So we know what it's all about. And there's a, a lot of people have a lot of hard times. We just like to support that. Thank you for your service. Thank, Thank you, you very much. much. Yeah, we're, uh, I'm going to take. Uh, the legislation for action out of order, so uh, we'll move to legislation for action uh, for resolution 22-43, gift acceptance, Veterans Services Department. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm very proud to read this resolution. This is resolution 22-43, acceptance of gifts from the Veterans Services Department whereas the Veterans Service Department has received three generous donations in the total amount of $2,000 to be used at the discretion of the department program for programs and services as follows. Donation summary. Veterans Services Department, the first one is Veterans Gifts Fund, $1,000 donated by the Outsiders. Second is Veterans Municipal Assistance Fund, $500 donated by Grove Street Auto Repair. The third is the Monument Restoration Fund for $500 donated by Indy. Total amount donated $2,000. Now, therefore, be resolved that the Town Council of the Town of Franklin, on behalf of the Veterans Services Department, gratefully accepts this generous donation to be used at the discretion of the Department. As described above, this resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 22 43. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries again. Thank you. To presentations and discussions. Our second one this evening is disposition of town owned land containing South Franklin Meeting House. Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and uh, through you to the council. So uh, I hope uh, the memo in the packet generally summarizes where we're at. Um, I've asked that we should have put a picture of the South Church for a little inspiration. There you go, right there. Yeah, that's perfect. Look at that. Look at that building. So, um, just to cut to the chase, Mr. Chairman, so tonight's a discussion item um, based off the recommendation from the Economic Development Subcommittee. Uh, the committee did vote uh, three to one um, to recommend uh, uh, from the expression of interest process uh, to recommend to the full council um, to put out an RFP uh, relative to the use of housing for the reuse uh, of the church. Um, by way of background, for folks that may be watching at home very quickly, um, do many of the counselors, Councilor Pellegrini and many others, 
have been asking to uh, see what kind of uses are available for the church. Um, we put out a two-month expression of interest. Um, I did get, uh, as we talked about the EDC meeting, many calls. Um, we did have a couple of open houses. We did have a, a, a decent guest list. Um, but ultimately, there were only two uses um, that had come forward with any type of proposals. They're in the packet uh, this evening. The EDC took up the matter as instructed by the council. Um, and they had a full 90-minute uh, meeting or so uh, regarding the issue. Um, and ultimately, they came out with the final recommendation to move forward to the council to uh, put out an RFP um, to relates to housing. Tonight, the action before the council, this is just a discussion. There is no resolution to vote on. There is no procurement to vote on. Uh, working with the town attorney, it was his advice um, to actually have a discussion to make sure the full council didn't have other ideas. The council doesn't have to do what the EDC did. They can do what the EDC did. They can do something different. Uh, I'm not trying to make it more confusing. I'm just making sure the council is aware that they still have full discretion over it regardless uh, of the, uh, the use. Uh, in, in closing, that being said, uh, there are a lot of dynamics that are at play here uh, in terms of uh, the infrastructure, the neighborhood, uh, what some of the adjacent landowners on some of the roads, um, some of the historical factors, I think we've talked about numerous times about the goal is always to preserve the facade. Um, uh, as everybody knows, there are some conditions that have been identified uh, that have lapsed at the building. Um, but we've been uh, fortunate enough to have the interest that we've had. We're also uh, obviously, I, I believe, and I hope everybody agrees at a minimum that we're fortunate to have had an organization that comes forward um, that has a vision and has some financing behind of it. And um, we're still very uh, short uh, in the process, early in the process, excuse me. Uh, but uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, this is the next step. And obviously through the discussion, uh, myself and the staff are happy to uh, answer any questions. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, I'll first go to the EDC chair, uh, Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, so the town administrator pretty much explained everything, but um, so the EDC's job was to recommend to the full council the best purpose for an RFP. Um, and so using these expressions of interest, actually it was very exciting that we had two serious expressions of interest for this building. I feel like we, we kind of felt like last, I think it was like three or four years ago, we went to visit it and we had an open house and we had nothing at all come back for that. Um, but. So we were very excited that we had these two that we could talk about and um, we weighed what would be best for the town as a whole and for the neighborhood where this church is, uh, where the meeting house is. Um, so we had to keep in mind traffic and parking for the neighborhood, um, the need of the town, which um, and actually the whole state needs more housing, um, the average cost for a house is over $600,000 in the state of Massachusetts right now. Um, and, and one of the things we've been talking about is how do we add more housing without adding more infrastructure to the town and, and the cost to the town. So this could, would do that as well. Um, we also wanted to see if we could find some revenue for the town. Um, and since we, had, we could have a historic preservation restriction on this property, and we could keep the exterior of the building, it would get preserved, and um, it would be taken care of. So, and we also thought about the cost of 
this renovation and what would be feasible for this property. And, and, and that's why taking all of these things into account, three out of four of us um, voted to recommend sending out an RFP for the purpose of housing. I think that wraps it up. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chen. Uh, <laughs> uh, comments or questions from other councillors? Councillor Sherry. I was, <coughs> I was the one vote against this and was strongly against the proposal to make it housing. This, this building has been part of the Frank community since 1865. The people who built the building wanted to be a community building. <coughs> yeah, first was the church. But back then when they built meeting houses, it was also like building a second town hall. Mm -hmm. So immediately at the time, I wouldn't be surprised the town didn't contribute to building this now. Because at the time, the congregation of church was just still publicly supported. So I think before we just got a historical building and give it to one family, now this is nothing against the housing proposal, but I think maybe the Smith Farm proposal might be a better place for that. Before we take a public building that's been about public use since for over 100 years, we should at least look for other proposals. And I think that's what the original builders would have wanted. I think the people who supported it as a church for over 100 years would have wanted that. And I would think that the church that donated to the town back in 1990 would have wanted it for the whole community, not just giving it to one family. And if you give it to one family, you can protect, protect the outside, but one of the proposals, they're all gonna change some of the windows already, one side not facing the street. In the next 10 years, this one family has it. If they can't afford to paint it, they might chip. They can put signs up saying, keep off the grass. We have a dog. It's just another building in the community instead of being used for the public use, which I think is what would be better. Thank you, Councillor Sherman. Any other councillors? Councillor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, <clears throat> as part of the EDC committee, myself and, and Councillor Hamlin and, and Kobe, Kobe Councillor Fangillo, had agreed on the fact that one of the best purposes for this particular piece of property would to be purposing it as a residential piece of property, but it just, just make things clear. Um, one of the things that was proposed to us, and again, this is a proposal, it's not something that the EDC or the town council is endorsing. It was just a proposal that came forth to us that seemed like a reasonable proposal for that use, and that was brought to us by Habitat for Humanity. And as part of their proposal, and the reason we liked it so much was one, A, it had the most minimal amount of effect on the neighborhood, which is what one which, to be honest with you, was probably one of the biggest considerations we, we gave to the property was what type of an effect, A, would it have on Washington Street, and B, what type of an effect would it have on the immediate neighbors in the neighborhood. Um, if it were used as a public facility, um, depending on what it would be used for, one of the proposals could be a church, is the fact that it would just simply add to the already exuberant amount of traffic and, and congestion that is in that neighborhood. Also, there is not really, um, a suitable amount of land on that particular property to allow for enough parking, which is, as you know, has always been one of our biggest problems with that. Um, but what the, what the Habitat for Humanities project had entailed, if you look inside your package, you'll actually see the proposal, um, is for all intents and purposes, 
a minimalist uh, approach towards any changes to the church itself. In fact, uh, their proposal shows, if you, if you look at it, it actually shows um, that for the most part, the area that's going to be affected is A, inside, and B, is going to be uh, more or less partitioned. So not, they're not looking to create permanent changes to the existing structure. Uh, and as part of that proposal, they also uh, mentioned um, little or no change, if not improvements to uh, the outside of the church itself, or the staff purposes. And since it would be used as a habitat for humanity's purpose, or in other words, uh, to support low-income low housing, um, that would be really showing that we as a community care about having you know, affordable housing here in the town, town of Franklin. Um, and honestly, the biggest thing, in my opinion, is the type of impact it would have had on the neighborhood considering its location, considering the amount of traffic that Washington Street that neighborhood currently has. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Any other councilors? <coughs> Councilor Cormier-Levin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman and this is to the town administrator. Jamie, do we know if we did support this in, in by way of housing and it was RFP and it moves forward with Habitat Community? I know that's a lot of ifs, but what is their process for them, the selection of the family that would be able to reside there? Because I feel like to Councilor Sheridan's point, this is a Franklin piece of property. It's a piece of property that Franklin has supported financially for a long time. I'd like to see a Franklin family or a Franklin senior perhaps um, be able to benefit from Habitat, but I don't know their selection process. Through you, uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, to Councilor Cormier-Ledger, we're actually, uh, we do have Habitat Humanity actually is in the audience tonight, and if they're willing to, maybe they can come up, because uh, I don't know the answer to that question. Kim? Oh, sure. Yeah. Good evening. Kim Thomas, I'm the CEO of Old Colony Habitat for Humanity. We don't pay him to do that, he just does it on his own. <laughs> So um, we, we're really excited to possibly have this opportunity to have a home built here in Franklin. We serve 22 cities and towns in North York and Bristol County. So we did a, a rehab and a home in Mansfield. I have uh, Tim Travers, our board president. We have Sam Williams, who did our architecture on this particular proposal. And we've done about nine builds. We're a very small affiliate, and we do a lot of work in the community. So I feel this project would be a wonderful opportunity to house a family and work in the community to have everyone come together and have this really great project. Um, we, in the packet, there's the picture of the rehab and also for the families, it's not a hand out, it's a hand up. So these families are working, they are able to afford a mortgage with a down payment. I'll do fundraising as well. So whatever the cost is to do the, the raw build and those types of things, we will have support through fundraising. And then the family will qualify for a mortgage. We actually just partnered with Workers Credit Union who are doing 0% financing for the families, as well as 0% financing for construction for habitats. Yeah, so it's a really exciting project that just came about a few months ago. And then I'm looking at the Federal Home Loan Bank for money. We have um, other foundations in the area that I've approached. So we have um, a really you know, great opportunity for a family. They have to live and work in the area, but we could talk about the consideration of a Franklin family. 
We did that at um, NC Conk before. Um, we have the families that are living and working. They qualify for a mortgage just as it, we all would, and then they're able to afford that mortgage. And there's a rider on the um, a property that stays within the affordable housing inventory. So if they're unable to uh, continue, then we would find another family. So there's more information in the packet. Yes, the three, Mr. Chairman. So I think the the important piece, and I think this town attorney needs to talk on this. He can. I think as part of the RFP or part of any uh, formal paperwork or votes, you would make the stipulation in there that uh, that the property would be, if it was, you know, however, whatever interval a family lived in there would rotate for Franklin only families, just like you would work on the preservation restriction and just on the affordability restriction. Um, those would all be components that um, that the council could certainly consider. And also part of the process too is a lottery. So if there are more than one family in Franklin, there would be a lottery for that um, That's selection right. process as well. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Coney and Ledger. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you uh, for doing all this. You guys are very passionate, I can tell. So it could be exciting. Um, my quick question, was I just need some clarification from what Councillor Sheridan said. Because I was very concerned about the facade, the outside, that's where right. I wanted to be, to stay. Yeah. So, say a family moves in, who is responsible for the upkeep after that? Okay. I'm Tim Travers. <laughs> my, name, uh, board, my name is Tim Travers, I'm the board president. Um, so we had met there with your building commissioner and, and other officials and we had gone through that. So that would be the family's, <clears throat> once it's just like when you purchase a home, that would be the family's responsibility. But we work with the families, we make regular visits and we coach them and assist them with the upkeep of, of the property if they you know, feel that they need it. Um, my background is I own a construction company and I've done some of the oldest homes in the Attleboro area, or Bristol County area, meaning hundreds of years old. So when I took a look at this project with the building commissioner, um, I felt that, you know, based on the design that was presented, the discussion I had with the commissioner, where, you know, I know that there was mention about changing the windows, but I think with, you're limited in the understanding of that the windows, if in fact they need to be changed, would have visually the same appearance as they do, but allow for a second floor. So when you're on the street side, it's, it's really gonna have zero impact on the facade of the building versus how they operate on the inside. Um, and so with meeting with the building commissioner there, we had explained you know, in detail what, what our thoughts were on what the alignment with the structure, the outside of the structure and the construction of the building would, would allow. And so and it would have minimal impact you know, within there. But the great thing about what we do is, you know, is the fundraising and the monies to build it. We try to bring the community together because when we're buying shirts, we try to spend the money, you know, to give the volunteers, we try to spend the money in the town. When we're doing our print work, same thing we're trying to do in the town if we can buy the lumber. So, you know, this hundreds of thousands, this is a probably 300,000 plus dollar project. Those funds are gonna be spent, you know, hopefully within the town. Now, it doesn't go to say that if, you know, we need a lumber order and the, the person in town is $20,000 higher, well then, you know, dollars and cents make sense that we, you know, we outsource it. Um, but it's, it, you know, it's why we have donation, volunteerism, it brings the town together. So that's what makes us such a unique project. You know, and, and we do this the same with regular new construction home builds. You know, the one we did in, in uh, Mansfield, um, we partnered with CBS and many other partners, CBS Corporate, and we built that house in 35 days from start to finish. And that's landscape sodded, driveway in, done, delivered, and we had, you know, we started this 
you know, this project with the town. Um, we had to tear a house down on the property. It was 58 days total tearing it down and building it was 35. We've had other interest in town with other builders that want to help us with this project. So I really think that if you if you give it some thought, you'll see that that it's a great project for the community. You know, it's a historical piece. I understand the concern, um, but I, I I I've had a lot of builders, developers, um, suppliers reach out to me and say, Hey, are you guys serious about doing this? We we want to get together on it. And then it goes into your tax rolls, right? It goes into your tax rolls. That family's going to have, you know, an impact on the community, you know, so it, it, it you know, it works its way out the web. Um, so I hope that you give it the consideration. Um, we appreciate your time and we think it's an excellent opportunity. Thank you, Tim. Any, Thank you. Any questions for me yeah. before I sit down, sir? Thank you, you, Mr. Chair. I was just kind of curious, you said the price is going to be a little over 300000 I think it's a probably, if you were to retail this, this is a $300,000 renovation to this building. Interior, and, and then interior. preserving the exterior. Needs a septic system, we need to put a driveway in it. Um, you know, we've had discussion with the town about the pump house and back, and they were gonna they were gonna partition. We're gonna partition, set you know, form A or divide yeah. that lot, put a fence there, put some shrubbery. There was gonna be a side access to the pump mm -hmm. um, from the side neighborhood. We've had that discussion, but I think this is a three hundred thousand dollar project That's from a retail perspective. When Kim says she fundraises it, what we don't get do donated in materials or labor, we fundraise to you know because obviously we have to pay retail or you know. Right. Um, you know, pay subs and trades, and you know, and there's community volunteerism. So it's when I say pay subs and trades, you know, we still have professional electricians in there. We don't have you know a bunch of volunteers mm -hmm. wiring the building. You know, I mean, they're there to do the fun stuff, the paint, the trim, the you know, things of that nature. And we, and we understand, you know, I have I have um, lead renovation licenses. My company in Massachusetts, in Rhode Island. Um, I understand, you know, the behemoth that you all may think it is, but. You know, we were the firm that, that did the um, the Korean Presbyterian Church two weeks before the marathon um, in October that had been an eyesore mm -hmm. in Hopkinton for 10 years. And they had had numerous firms come in and shut shut down the remediation of that building. We remediated that building two weeks you know, prior to the start of the marathon this year. So the church doesn't bother me. No, that's so, not, that I was kind of that was that was my and that's a much that's a much that, bigger that, church. That if you're familiar with the star line and Hopkinton, <laughs> what church I'm talking about, that was an eyesore for years. And yeah. we, we were in and out of there and everybody was very happy. So this 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 is a much smaller project. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Garaco. Councilor Joe. Thank you. Uh, quick um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but the habitat community up on the north shore kind of around the Marlboro northern part. Um, as of Recent, it's been actually, um, local 103 electricians mm -hmm. apprentices have actually been working with Habitat for Humanities, uh, donating our apprentices' time and our electricians' time to help build up the Habitat for Humanities. Yeah, exactly. It's, so different. It's by all means, you know, there's that option available to try to mitigate the cost of, of uh, electrical work or any kind of construction work. Yeah, we'll talk more about that on a later date. Um, but uh, I can see we can take the, the project as by far a dual community project. Thank you, Thank you, Councilor Johnson. Councilor Plegman. Yes. Um, <coughs> I'm pleased that um, we're at this point. We have been waiting for quite a few years now, and it's just been vacant there. And uh, certainly we're always worried about funding and worried about vandalism and that. We've been very lucky. So I think that your project sounds to me very good. Um, and I've been very involved with that building. 
So uh, I'm interested. I will be reading over all of this and seeing what's going on. But I think at this point, I would be in favor of something like this. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Council Pellegrini. Anybody, any other uh, counselors? Uh, I guess I, just two quick things. Uh, uh, I was a member of the church that owned that originally, and I can remember going to midnight services there many, many years ago. Uh, but uh, to Councilor Plagary's point, it has been vacant for a very long time. This is not the first time we've looked at different options as to what we could do to this, uh, to Councilor Sheridan's point, uh, to keep it as a community uh, piece of property. Uh, we spent money on an architect to go out and review and look at it and see if it made sense for us to refurbish that and to be able to use it. But because we are a municipality, in order for us to do that, first of all, the costs are astronomical because it's an additional we have to pay prevailing wage so it's you know you can just tack 35% on the anything you do roughly uh, but we've had very little interest ever from any from anybody in regards to this piece of property to have uh, a when we put up that RFI uh, back a few months ago, you know, I wasn't sure we were going to see anybody come forward because nobody had in the past. And to have the church come forward and then also to have Habitat for Humanity come forward, uh, I think, you know, it certainly piqued my interest in, uh, as to finding we might be at a point where we can do something with that building, <clears throat> preserve it before it deteriorates beyond the point of any return. So uh, I do like the residential piece to this. Uh, there's very little parking there, so to use it for a community meeting house or to use it as a church, there's so little parking that it would be very difficult uh, to do that, bring it up to handicap accessibility, and on and on and on. The only other question, so I very much support this residence, uh, residential piece, and I love what Habitat for Humanity has put together and, and brought forward to us. I do have a question for our town attorney, though, uh, just to clarify for me how stringent we can be uh, with like, keeping the facade the same uh, on the D. We, we can be fairly specific and stringent because it's our property. It's, it's a proprietary type of thing. Right. So well, I get that's kind of what I wanted right. the, the entire council to understand how how much we can do right so it's a difference between actually being the owner and exercising your rights as a, as an owner versus just uh complying with the statute on behalf of a third party 
So, and just to clarify for all listening, because I'm not sure that everybody mm -hmm. would understand, if in fact it is on the deed, if that were to be sold or moved, the deed travels with it. All right, and there's two aspects to it. There's the affordability that's been alluded to. If you breach an affordability uh, covenant, there are certain remedies, including giving up the property. Uh, and there's a historic aspect, and if they fail to do that, again, there would be specified remedies uh, in, in that event, which they might not uh, last in perpetuity as the affordability component might, but uh, they certainly would last beyond what beyond anybody's lifetime that is here right now. I mean, not, not to speak, speak out of school, but I, I would imagine, it, and I wish our attorney was here, who's also a board member, um, who's very involved in this project, but he couldn't make it tonight. Um, I, I would assume with the proper covenants put in place with the transfer of title that, um, that those would stay with it in perpetuity. Yeah, the issue is uh, there's, there's uh, several Massachusetts statutes that govern how long covenants last, and uh, if, if you comply with the statute, they, they basically last indefinitely, let's put it that way. Okay. okay. Thank you, Mark. Uh, is there any other questions from the council? Is there anyone in the audience that has a question or a comment? Well, thank you. Please, come forward. Just name and address, please. Good evening, everyone. My name is Tom Lennon. I'm at 11 Fort Apache in Franklin. I've been there for 20 years. Um, as everyone probably knows or doesn't know what they do now, Old Colony Habitat for Humanity is a great organization. They have a, it's a really amazing organization. And I'm very, very familiar with Tim Travis and his uh, personal construction. I've used him many times. He truly has an impressive and talented crew that he has working behind him. Um, this certainly, I, I know that it's been a church for 100 years. If anything, we've all come out of uh, COVID. One thing is to expect the unexpected. Um, this is a housing shortage right now. It's probably a great way to uh, repurpose this town landmark. I also think that um, another thing, it goes to a great family. We talked about having for Franklin, of course, a Franklin family member. It also goes from being a liability and an expense to the town to an asset, which is right now it's not on the tax roll, and it goes to bringing in taxes too. So it's not always about the money, but that certainly adds an extra little uh, flair to it as well too. So I just wanted to say as a citizen and a taxpayer, I'm, I'm all for this as well. I think it would be a great thing. I don't want to say it's an eyesore, but for lack of a better phrase, I'll certainly say it could use a little uh, Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience? Is there anyone out in Zoom land? I don't see anybody, Alicia. Okay. Uh, Kim, thank you very much uh, for coming and your entire team. Thank you very much for the proposal. Through Mr. Chairman, I uh, uh, appreciate that. And so, um, without, I know it's a discussion, um, but maybe if I could just take one minute and ask the town attorney, just so everybody's on the same page, what would the next steps be? Um, this isn't a process or a project we go through very often, and I want to make sure we're obviously uh, moving forward correctly. Mark? 
So we've got, there's a couple of alternatives, but uh, at some point uh, we issue an RFP uh, either with or without council actual authority, but ultimately once you have a proposal to develop, for instance, with Tom probably knows this is 150 Evans speed. We went through a process ultimately after a lot of fits and starts. Uh, we ultimately did all the paperwork after we had the developer in place. I have to review this, but in that case, it was authorizing legislation for years that hadn't been used. So it may be that we need to actually have a resolution to authorize the RFP in advance. But at any rate, at some point, once, it's, once the selection process goes through, we then have a, uh, uh, a further resolution to uh, uh, dispose of the property and approve a particular way of disposal, which would include the conditions that were alluded to So in other words, where what we'd be looking to next is, in, is a resolution to go out with an RFP. Correct. Correct. Okay. Uh, and based upon what I've heard uh, this evening, I think that's what we'd uh, like you to work on, your team to work on, Jane. Excellent. I appreciate that. And with, with the I'm specifications, as you've indicated them? Right. Which right. I believe we're actually already in the yeah. preliminary resolution on the expression. I, 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 believe, I believe they were. So we'll just carry them forward. Right. And obviously, there'll be another opportunity uh, when the resolution does come forward. There, there will be more discussion, and if anything needs to be adjusted, we will have that opportunity mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, I see a couple of quick hands. Council Cornell Just a point of clarification, Mr. Chairman. So, when they work on the resolution for the RFP, it'll be based on the EDC's recommendation that it be for housing? Yes. It won't be a, a blanket RFP for Correct. any type of request. Correct. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Council of Labor. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm just thinking about all the furniture and that that's inside. How are we going to list that um, so that we would be able to do something with it? We wouldn't want it to just be tossed. Those are all historic pieces. Well, I mean, that, that could be handled either in terms of the RMP or ultimately a person's <coughs> agreement. Just to uh, Council Comia Ledger's point, so you understand the RFP process, you basically have to go for, you have an option to either go for the highest price, which is obviously clear cut. If you're not going to do that, then the legislature, the statute requires that you adopt criteria and evaluate the proposals you get in. So the broader it is, the more difficult it becomes to compare apples and oranges, for instance. Mm -hmm. uh, although in this case, a big driver, which hasn't been alluded to, would be uh, the ability of the uh, proposer economically to carry through and complete the project, showing experience, etc., which not to preclude other proposals, but this proposal seems to have at least that those qualifications. Thank you, Council of uh, Anyone else? Okay. Again, thank you very much, folks. Thank, thank you very thank much you. for thank coming, you. coming this evening. Thank you. Keep up your good work. Thank you so much. Okay. Moving on. Uh, we're back to legislation for action. 
And resolution 22-44, authorizing tax increment financing plans, USA LLC 115 Constitution Boulevard. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <clears throat> this is resolution 22-44, authorizing a tax increment financing uh, plan, see USA LLC for 115 Constitution Boulevard. Whereas in March 2009, the Town Council adopted Resolution 0914, establishing Franklin Industrial Park Economic Opportunity Area, an area containing 261 plus 43 plus or minus industrial zone acres, including property known as 115 Constitution Boulevard, shown on the Town of Franklin's assessor's map 330 parcel uh, 330-030-000, here and after known as the property, and whereas in April, and whereas in April 2009, the Town Council adopted Resolution 0925, agreeing to negotiate a tax incremental financing agreement uh, for each certified project located within the Town of Franklin's economic opportunity areas that will result in redevelopment of underutilized properties or development of new facilities, creation of permanent jobs, and also meet mandatory requirements within 402 CMRs 2.0. And whereas Plenty USA LLC, hereafter referred to as the company, <coughs> the corporation having its principal office at 115 Constitution Boulevard, Franklin, Mass. 02038, desires to make a substantial improvement to the property and will be equipping and operating the property for its use in manufacturing, administration, and other potential uses and activities. And whereas the company's proposed improvements on the property are expected to increase the total assessed valuation of the property from its current $4,602,500 as of the fiscal year 2022 to approximately $6.6 .6 million proposed for fiscal year 2024. And whereas the company's proposed project is expected to be certified by the Economic Assistance Coordinating Council, and at which time would qualify for a tax incremental finance agreement at TIF, and whereas the company is desirous to enter into its agreement with the Town of Franklin in accordance with the economic development Incentive Program and the provisions of Massachusetts General Law, Chapter 23A, Chapter 40, and Chapter 59. Now, therefore, be resolved that the Town Council of Town of Franklin approves execution of a TIF agreement between the Town of Franklin and the company. Further, the Chair and the Town Council, the Town Administrator, and other Town officials and staff, as may be required, are authorized to sign all required documents and take such, such actions relating to the said agreement. And whereas further, the Town Council of the Town of Franklin strongly supports the company's efforts to obtain state investment tax credits and other development incentives and therefore approves the submission of a certified project application to the Economic Assistance Coordinating Council. This resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin local charter. Move resolution 22-44. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, through you to the rest of the council. Um, for many of you, you've seen these before. Um, the acronym TIF kind of stands out. Uh, Brian's here with us tonight uh, from the Community Planning Office to answer any technical questions. But uh, at a very high level, um, uh, first we want to thank uh, Peter Aldrian and Maggie Boyd, Peter from uh, Plain Z USA LLC for being here with us tonight. And we want to thank their company for, uh, for being a member of the Franklin community and for uh, their incredible business growth within this community. And, uh, here's a great story tonight where we have a, a business that's been in Franklin trying to expand. 
uh, to another uh, location. Um, as many of you know, we've had many successful tips in town, the most latest uh, being Cold Chain Technologies, uh, which drew uh, worldwide fame this year. Uh, if people look up at the map uh, up here, you can see the expansion center in the zone where the pointer that I finally have that's working uh, is highlighting that parcel. Um, and uh, the last comment I would make is um, one of the, I have to say it, I know my predecessor would have, so I have to do it in <laughs> honor of Jeff. Um, this is what our governmental structure gives the town of Franklin a huge competitive advantage. Um, in many communities, these have to go through town meeting. They can sometimes eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 16 months to go through. There is a state approval process that uh, Brian uh, may explain uh, soon. Uh, this just came to us a few weeks ago. We got the formal letter of interest and we put it on the next meeting. And uh, with your approval tonight, we'll be able to move to the state approval process and hopefully make uh, their economic development goals a reality, uh, which would be a huge, uh, which would be a great thing for the town of Franklin. Uh, that'll close my comments. I'll leave it to Brian in case he has anything to add. And then obviously the folks over here uh, from Lansing. Thank you. Brian? Uh, thank you. For the record, I'm Brian Skrunner, Planning and Community Development Director. Um, I met with some representative from Fonse, well, and as well as uh, Mass Office Business Development just a couple weeks ago. Um, and uh, the project which uh, they are proposing, should we actually have a, a diagram a couple pages uh, farther along here. Let me go to the next one. So above on the top is basically what the property looks like today. Uh, after their improvements, you'll see uh, the, prop, uh, the property will hopefully look like what they have down below. So they're going to rip off the office section of the building, which is the lower area. You can see the roof line is lower in one area. And they'll be replacing with a, with a, a two-story um, office uh, building. And uh, that'll give them the room to expand and do what they need to do on that, in that location. And uh, roughly, the, the um, investment will be over $6 million, $6.5 million or so for the company. That will include the furnishings inside and everything else. Um, with the cost of uh, uh, construction materials and everything way up, it, you know, it, it shouldn't be $6.5 million, but it, it will probably will be. Um, the increased value to the property, the assessed value will be at least $2 million. Uh, down the road, it may be a little bit more than that. Uh, but we have to be conservative when we're looking at uh, you know what the numbers are. So we think it'll be a little over two million dollar increase in assessed value of the property. That will bring in at the current uh, tax rate um, under a little under thirty thousand uh, dollars per year. That is the so-called increment that we're dealing with. Okay, that thirty thousand or twenty-eight whatever it is uh, at the time is what we will be negotiating with the company on a tip agreement. And uh, Jamie uh, and I, I've done a lot of these things in the past. And uh, basically, I would recommend something similar to what we've done with the other coal chain and other companies. Uh, maybe a 10-year starting out high uh, and then working your way down. So uh, we, will we will get all of the tax revenue we're getting now and a little bit more. And then we eventually, after 10 years, get 50% of that, you know, 30,000 or more. Um, and then 
after the, after the tip is up, we would get the whole amount each year. This would help the company in their expansion, in their in, in their in their help to bring their costs down. And uh, I'm happy that they're they're proposing doing it here, uh, and and hope they go forward very quickly with this. Um, so, any questions? I'm sure I can help you with that. But thank you, Brian. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to add? Which I, by all means. Nope. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I wasn't sure whether you wanted to speak or not. So, okay. So we're in a discussion mode, Councillor Frangillo. Just so uh, I'm hearing you right. So we're not voting on or the actual tip itself has not been constructed, but it could be anywhere from what time? Well, it, it, I would recommend doing something similar to what we did with, with the uh, the last tip that was approved, which would be uh, you know a roughly ten year period of time, um, where the town would get a little bit of increased revenue immediately, but it would be it would go each year, so the increment changes each year, the percentage of it, and uh, Jamie and I can sit down with the. Um, you know, with the company and negotiate something that works for both the town and that. Uh, and that's that's pretty much the norm that we've done in the past. The increment, uh, it, it, it's my understanding that that's supposed to be like uh, predicting, like appreciate, like normal appreciation of the. Yeah. The the hard part about doing tax increment financing is because we don't know what the tax rate will be in a couple of years. Yeah. We don't know what the assessed value of that property will be if they've had improvements or if they don't have improvements. Because the assessors have their own, you know, whatever they do. We can't actually, uh, I can, all we can do is sit down with the, with the assessing director, which I have, and said, what do you think the increased value will be based on today's dollars? And so any dollar amounts that are talked about in the TIF agreement would be based on today and the today's tax rate. So we think that maybe the increment would be $30,000. It could be 28, it could be 35. It really will depend on the first full year of taxes after that thing's built, okay? Or how much the actual dollar amount is. And then whatever the percentage is, is what we negotiate. So if say it's 30,000, it's 95% or 9% of that. If the, if the uh, assessed value only goes up 25, then it's only you're doing 99% of the 25. So the exact dollar amount of a tax break is impossible to tell now or even five years from now, because if the tip goes for 10 years, we don't know what the next year is gonna be. Uh, so the, um, just to let you know, the state um, does require that the company does annual reporting. They keep track of this. They make sure that uh, part of the deal for the state is they want to see increase in jobs. Okay, so that will be their application to the state, and they would like to uh, access some state uh, tax breaks. Also, based on their uh, increased jobs, we deal with the local real estate assessments and try, trying to provide them uh, with an incentive to build here posted you can expand somewhere else uh, so it's good for everybody we will have more jobs in town we'll have decent paying jobs and manufacturing jobs 
um, will have the increased assessed value. Um, I believe that they hope to have people coming in, customers coming in to, to visit here and also from their other offices around the world. So therefore, they will be using hotels, restaurants, and things, and we get the tax revenue increases in those areas. So it's a win for everybody, um, is what we're trying to pull together. So I'm gonna uh, ask you to help me understand the, the win for everybody. Yep. Uh, in, in a sense that, I mean, surely, uh, you know, uh, I love Clancy, I love all companies uh, working in, in yep. Franklin, and if I could help them out, I would. Um, but we can't. You know, we still need to get tax revenue. Tax revenue. There's a whole bunch I could do with thirty thousand dollars a year to improve the lives of uh, Franklin residents. Um, so, it's my understanding that okay, the reason why you would offer a tip to a certain uh, place is that it's something that wasn't going to happen anyway, and I, because otherwise. We're just missing out on thirty thousand dollars for ten years. <laughs> that is certainly one way to look at it. But it is certainly one way to look at it. I think the the piece that's missing is uh, a couple pieces that you know that far exceed the value of thirty thousand dollars. Number one, having a great company like this invest in the community to expand is something that is uh, of huge uh, uh, advantageousness to the town the jobs that come with it. And you have to re remember, it's a, it's a way to allow the company to put down that upfront investment in a model that if I look at right here, in the short term to help stimulate for them an investment in their building, an investment in the community, an investment in their employees. That's oftentimes on expansions, one of the toughest things for businesses to do, is have that capital and have those resources to be able to make that jump where they want to make that leap. Um, and so uh, that's what these are designed to do, and as Brian's already mentioned, over a certain period of time, and it's not that long, you incrementally get that tax revenue back in lieu of having a great business partner and the additional jobs, the additional health insurance that comes with that through the company and all those other dynamics. The other big piece of it is, and we deal with, Brian and I deal with these with a lot of other companies here or there, you know, we don't want the company to leave Franklin. And ultimately, if we're gonna invest in those companies and help them be able to continue to grow here and have those jobs and to have that revenue source, um, the short-term project is to have the TIF, but as Brian mentioned, in 10 years, or, you know, whatever, usually 10 years, that entire, rev all that revenue of that assessed value comes back on the tax roll. So um, I think overall, um, the, f the benefits to the overall community, uh, especially in the short term, because it's a short term agreement, far outweigh the, the loss of $30,000 in property tax revenue, because eventually that will come back on, whether Plainsy's here or someone else comes in, they've made a substantial investment in an improvement of the property. So um, and, and in terms of new growth, this is it. I mean, we talk about revenue in the budget. We talk about increasing property values for the tax levy to support services. This is how the this is how commercial industrial sectors do it. Thank you. So much. I hope I got all that right. There's one one thing that I want to mention. Um, 
10 years ago, a little more than that, the town created economic opportunity areas. The reason that we did that was to attract that specific type of development. We will offer, if somebody's gonna come in here and, and do improvements to their properties, or to build new facilities, or to rehab totally, you know, whole new things, and create jobs, we will give them a tip. We have an actual tax increment financing plan for the economic opportunity areas that each, each of our economic communities. <coughs> so we are saying to the community, and especially the business community, if you do X, we will give you Y, or we will try to negotiate Y with you. Um, if it's unreasonable, the time we can walk away from it very quickly. If it's reasonable, if they're, if they're not asking for the world, um, we can help you to keep your costs down when you get that initial investment going. And in addition, if they don't get a TIF, they don't get the investment tax credits from the state. Okay, that's a, the TIF is a requirement. So then if they add 20 jobs over five years, I don't know what their plans are. If they add that, they're gonna get a certain dollar amount from the state to help them with training and things of that nature. They wouldn't get that if we don't do our share and get the actual tip. So it's it's really a, a, a partnership between the town, the state, and, and the businesses. Um, and just one note, if they decide they don't wanna expand here, you're not gonna ever get that $30,000 or whatever it is. You will not get that increase in the taxes. And so we want to make sure that that does actually happen. They're coming to us uh, and asking us to, for assistance in, in making things happen, and that's that's the reason we're here tonight. And I hope that uh, I do understand. Sure, we want thirty thousand dollars more in taxes coming in. We will get there. <laughs> um, you may, if the if the value of, of, of industrial properties continues to rise and we end in with a higher tax rate, hopefully we won't on you know, but if you end up with that, then that value of that thirty thousand dollars is gonna be at forty very quickly and down the road in just a few years. So um, we're, like I said, we're talking about a long term tip with just today's dollar amounts with estimates. And, uh, I do, I do believe that if we did this for any, any company in our industrial parks, if they were gonna invest $6 million and they said, we, we need a tip for a few years to help us out, I, I would hope that this town would take it seriously on every one of them because it's, it's not hurting us if, uh, you know, to say, yeah, go ahead and build. It's not hurting this town in any way. And we will gain down the road whatever it is that we are forfeiting today, we will be getting that debt in, in, in the near future. I get the logic. I, I think it can easily be applied to any business in the town, right? Like we don't want to lose anyone and we want them to invest in their property. Why don't we apply it to every business in town? because we believe that we have a place of value that people want to be in and want to improve. And we lose businesses sometimes, and then they get replaced by ones who are able to invest in that community. So, you know, to present it as, um, well, we're either gonna have this company or it's gonna be an abandoned lot, I think is, uh, you know, not, not telling much. Uh, explain the full truth. There's still some reason. And now, uh, you know, we weren't, we thought about this, 
rules, right? At, at some point, the council realized, so we're gonna put some constraints on when we um, offer a TIF. They have to meet the requirements of the state, they have to result in the creation of new permanent jobs, and they have to be a redevelopment of an empty or underutilized zone property, which it's not, or development of a new research and development or manufacturing facility, which it's also not. It's expansion of a manufacturing facility. It is the office portion of it that's expanding the office of a manufacturing facility. It's industrial. This is development of a new research and development or manufacturing facility. They're developing a new office uh, portion of a manufacturing plant. So All right, maybe I, I mean, can find I can help out a little bit. By all means, Peter. Sure, please. Pete Oldrin, President and CEO of Plant CUSA. Um, yes, this is definitely an issue that we're going to expand our offices and our facilities. Uh, but in addition, we are also implementing a training center to improve capabilities and competences of our workforce. Uh, due to the limitation of uh, labor here in this area, we are forced to train our employees uh, uh, internally because we are in the leading edge technology and we won't get uh, staff and people and employees uh, just uh, from the market. So we have to invest also into trainings and uh, to develop our employees. So I think this is another very strong contribution to the town and also helps us to improve further our activities here in, uh, in Franklin. On top of this, uh, Plancy uh, runs additional companies here in the States we have a big plant, chemical plant, down in Pennsylvania. We have another site in California. So all those activities in relation of uh, sales will be combined in here. This is one of our targets, and this supports also this expansion of our office building. So we generate additional revenues here in the area, and we raise additional and develop additional employees. So uh, I hope the council will support our demand. Thank you. Thank you. You still have the floor. I, I, I want to be clear that I'm in no way denying that this is a positive thing mm -hmm. for Franklin. I'm more speaking to other companies than Plan Z who are also constantly making uh, positive investments in their community and aren't asking for a thirty thousand uh, dollar tax break a year. Uh, I, I, I'm missing why this is unique why it wouldn't have happened anyway, you know, like why we're, we're so desperate for the, you know, a, a one-story office space to become two stories from this one place, and not any other town. Jane, maybe Mr. Chair, this, this, this program, the TIF program has been initiated by the state for almost 20 years, right, 15, 20 years. Um, you know, there's some there's some there's some stipulations at the state. Some of that has a factor to do with this. At the end of the day, it's about trying to assist our. There, it is available to a lot of other businesses, and I can't answer why they don't take advantage of it. Some just don't want to deal with the approval process at the state level. Some some have the capital to spend. Some. Uh, relocate. I mean, it's just one of those things that's not easy to bullseye a one a one answer on this one. Uh, we do talk with other businesses. They do come forward. They analyze it a little. They realize they don't want to go through the process. 
Um, it's hard to explain all of those questions of curiosity. At the end of the day, it's really about maximizing the property's benefit, maximizing the job potential in the community. It's about quality of life for individuals who work there, who are going to work there. And I won't deny, uh, Council Vigil, I mean, this is a smaller one than we normally do. A lot of other ones would be much bigger uh, facilities. Uh, but this has been a company in great standing with the town and other companies came forward to us with great standings in the town and they wanted to take advantage of us, we take advantage of that too. Uh, we do do outreach and education materials on this, but I just, at some point, I think if, at some point we may have to talk offline about a little bit more details about what, what the concerns you have are and where structurally these are going. Because um, I'm, I'm not so sure I fully understand the angle. Uh, I'm winding down. I, I don't think that we would uh, give this tax break to any uh, property owner that improves their space because we can't afford to do this for every place that improves their their space. So, so really quickly, so this is the part I think we're, we're missing. Right now, the property that, let's just make it up and say the property is worth a million dollars. Next year, it's going to be a million dollars. If it stays the way it is, it's going to stay at the same value. They're putting investment into the building, hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to build an expansion that's gonna improve the value of that property. Without tools like the TIFs, they may move somewhere else or they may not do the expansion. So in other words, the $30,000 number is not money we already have. It's prospective financing that we could have that we need to help the business incentivized to get there so that the road is a little more slow and steady to get to that property improvement. This is not going to be built in a year and we're going to see the $30,000 next year. This is money we don't have. It's not there yet. But the strategy is incentivize and help them to get there. And I've said this right before. I think there are probably businesses that have not taken advantage of this, of this that could. We've talked to some that we've one-on-one. -on -one. They just, for whatever reasons, they don't, they don't want to do it. We should be thrilled that um, that this company is coming forward and wanting to do this expansion. And um, as Brian pointed out earlier, there is a there is a consumer replicative impact from this uh, about business conferences and hotels. I talk to the hotels all the time. They want business conferences there. That's a six percent occupancy tax. That's more revenue in the general fund and local receipts to support the operating budget. It's just the way economics works. I don't know how better to explain it, but consumer behavior and business drives this. It's just simply the way, it's just simply the way economics goes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay. I'm not, I'm not satisfied by that answer, um, but I'll, I'll go to my other question, which is, okay, we're doing this for some new something that, that there's a big enough prize for us, and it seems as though that prize is jobs. My question is, how many jobs are being created? The application um, with the state um, is uh, is due in August, and before that point, they would come up with uh, numbers. Now, uh, maybe the uh, president, uh, CEO, would like to give an estimate on how many they expect. Um, but a dollar, the actual numbers of jobs do not really into the tip it is a yes it's a it's a benefit that the town and the jobs in the region you will have, end up with that benefit with more jobs 
uh, increased tax revenue and a variety of other things. But that's not a number that uh, goes into the TIP agreement in any way. So, um, so I mean, I don't know if you have an estimate on, on approximate numbers, and but see, if you, I, one thing I, I did talk with uh, uh, Maggie actually previously, and if you give the state, let's just say, okay, we're gonna have 50 jobs over five years, and you tell them that, but you only hire 20, they penalize you. <laughs> so having a conservative numbers from the companies is very, very important. Makes sense. So you don't want to, you know, overestimate anyway. You don't want to say publicly, oh yeah, we're going to have 50 jobs coming because if that doesn't happen, the state comes in, and they can claw back any benefits they already provided to you. Um, that doesn't have anything to do with the TIF, uh, unless we were right into the TIF, but I've never seen that happen. So. Um, you know, Maggie, would you like to just give up a, a number that you're comfortable with? Sure. Um, just to give you a little bit of background, my name is Maggie Boyd. I'm the head of people engagement at Kwanzaa USA. I've been there for 17 years. Um, very, very remarkable company. We have about 130 employees right now, which include four summer interns. Um, so we're pretty proud of that aspect as well. Um, we are looking to make this expansion because we are at our limits right now. Yes, during the COVID situation, we were working from home, we provided rotation, but we are a manufacturing company. We are doing CNC machining and fabrication of molybdenum and tungsten, so those are metals that withstand high temperatures and used in a number of different industries. By being a manufacturing company, we're not at liberty to work at home every single day. We need to be in the office, we need to be collaborating with each other. So this office space was one of the first buildings built in the Franklin Industrial Park back in 1996. We've outgrown it. Our cafeteria is basic. We don't have enough room to have meetings or global meetings. Um, so we'd like to create a work environment that has a lot of collaboration space between our engineering production and our sales organization. So that's one of the major aspects of looking to expand here. Um, the other thing which pres uh, Peter ex talked about, our president and CEO, is that we are creating a CNC machining training center. You cannot find CNC machinists no, on no, the market. No. They are coming out of Tri-County, they are coming out of Aspet Valley, they are coming out of Diamond Regional, but colleges are heavily targeting those students. So for us to be able to sustain here in the Franklin area, we have to create our own training facility for CNC students in order to be here for another 17 years, 15 years. Um, so like Brian had said on the state application, we want to be conservative. We want to be respectful of the state as well as the town. Um, so we are being conservative on our numbers. And for the next five to six years, I am estimating only at five additional headcounts. However, out of our CNC machinist training program, we will do, be doing about four graduates a semester. So that's maybe eight to 10 additional CNC machinists out of that program. But we'd like to make this our headquarters so that we can do global training here, we can have our sales meetings here, and really highlight the manufacturing that we're doing. Okay? I appreciate it. I have no more questions, just one final statement if I, if I may, which is that, again, I want to reiterate, like, thank you. Like, 
Welcome to Leno. Uh, we're happy to have you in Franklin. I hope I get a chance to, to tour this place. I'm glad you're investing in new spaces and creating new jobs and bringing more people. You, as any other employer, are you know are critical to making Franklin work. I want us to remember that we currently have a financial situation that relies on new growth in order to continue to afford the services that rise in cost faster than we bring in new growth. We need that new growth. So what we do here is invest in our town in a way that makes it, a, that grows its value so that a company like Plan Z or any other company wants to come to Franklin and wants to continue investing in us, uh, that's how, that's the only way we make this equation work. And so if we then do all that and then cut out that new growth, then there was no point in, in doing all of that because we, we can't uh, afford to, to, to keep doing that. Uh, I, I, this feels like a special project. I'm starting to appreciate why this might be a, a, a special project compared to others. Uh, you know, I'll give that it, um, it's, it's fair consideration. Uh, but we can't do this for everyone. And so we, what the question we need to be asking is, um, well, is this the one that we want to do it for? Um, or, or, or is it going to be a, a, a more uh, special project? Thank you, Councillor from Joel. Councillor Hammond. Good hand up. I did? Yeah. Well, if you didn't, that's fine. I'll keep I actually, I wanted to ask about the job, so thank you. I, and I just wanted to say, um, I like your design, and I love the idea of making it a world headquarters and bringing more people into Franklin so they can see what we have to offer downtown. And um, and I, I, I understand Councillor Frangelo's um, concern, but I think within t from 10 years we'll get that revenue back, but it will also give us more. There'll be way more people, um, and I think it'll just bring more people into the town when they see that. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Hamblin. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <clears throat> um, my first statement really is just to kind of remind everybody of the town's model. Um, black states that industry need not push. And one of the things, one of the best benefits that the town of Franklin has is not just a TIF, but we benefit from one of the most regional uh, strong industries. 20% of our budget, Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, makes up commercial and industrial properties. Many of those industrial properties are high tech, high paying profitable companies jobs that we bring to this community by offering them benefits to come to our community. Some of the success stories are Terra Medical, mm -hmm. uh, Hamilton Technologies, who consolidated both of their businesses from, from Hopkinton and Medway to Franklin to a brand new building in our industrial park, which brought all of those jobs to the town of Franklin. Uh, Gold Chain, which is a nationally, internationally known company, all of which benefited from a TIF in order to grow their company. The way I've always looked at it is in, in lieu of having a short-term payout, we're looking at a long-term investment. But we're looking at a long-term investment in a partnership with individuals who are looking and willing to invest back into our community with high-paying jobs, benefits, tax dollars, um, local revenue by going to our local businesses and going to our restaurants and so on and so forth. It, it's an all-around 
partnership of us working with them to make an investment back into the community. And as a whole, we're all gonna benefit from this in the long run. If it's, in, and if you're just talking dollars and cents, the number alone could potentially be, and like anything in life, an investment is a risk, but it could be potentially thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, back into our community. My favorite thing from all of this, and I've dated back to when um, I was part of the TIF agreement with Payments and Technologies, is that this brings jobs. This creates an economy. And there's nothing more important than giving a person a job and giving them purpose and giving them value. And we're creating them here in the town of Franklin. I think this is a great idea. And anything that we can do to help support our local industries and businesses into making that investment, thousand percent into giving them a TIF agreement. Brian, thank you for the hard work that you put into this. We've had this discussion many times. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Jones. Councillor Coney, I'll let you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you for all of my fellow councillors' great questions on this topic. I did a little bit of quick research on my phone. It appears that Plan Z is actually a European based company and its parent company, correct? This is the US uh, plant that we have here in Franklin. It's also a multi-billion dollar company, correct? So I do understand Councillor Frangelo's concerns about why a multi-billion dollar multinational is asking for a tax break. However, I support the idea of more jobs and I certainly support the idea of a training facility and I support the idea of <clears throat> just bettering a lot that maybe needs some modernization. Mm -hmm. I think my only throw out to the uh, folks here from Plansy is it would be nice to see some of the corporate philanthropy come to Franklin. You know, if you folks could get involved and sponsor a little league team or sponsor the football team or help in some way like many of our other companies with much smaller operating budgets do to help all of the folks here in Franklin, I think it would just sit better with folks and we would truly see you as a partner as opposed to just being a business in town. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you Councilor Coney-Ledger. Councilor Chen. Through you, Mr. Chairman. I just want to talk a minute about why I support the TIF for you guys. First of all, for over 20 years, you've been great neighbors great neighbors down there. Um, and the other thing to go with the taxes, they don't use any services really. The police aren't going there. What, maybe one fire call a year? They're not, so we're getting our money's worth out of their taxes, what they're paying, that's what I'm getting at, thank you. And um, again, people keep bringing up the jobs. It's good paying jobs, thank you again for that. And I, I just, and look at that building. You people don't know this. I was in that building about 20 years ago and it was tired then. That's going to be beautiful. You know what, you know what that little looks like. It's tired, I can say that. Every day. Yeah. I mean, this, this is going to be, you guys are just going to be in good moods every day when this is done. And we'll get more taxes, so thank you again. And lastly, on the website, you do say some nice things about Franklin. We appreciate that too. So I'm in favor of this, and I, I just 
I don't want you guys getting beaten down. I know you've been in town for a long time and paid a lot. So thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Uh, Councilor DeLarco. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, thank you, well, I'm a tradesman myself and my father was a machinist for 44 years, so uh, I'm so excited to hear that you train CNC machine. My father actually retired when they first started coming out, but people don't realize how much, you know, machine, machine works has helped this country as my father made 50 caliber bullets for World War II and everything. People forget about that. Without that, we get nothing. Um, um, and as far as the multi-billion dollar con uh, company, if they leave, we have nothing. And I remember a short story, Fidelity, which is an extremely big company, mm -hmm. wanted to take over the waterfront down in Boston. Mayor Menino said, no, no. He said, they'll stay anyway. You know where they are now? North Smithfield. They took everything and they left. They want to make the possibility. So we don't we don't want that to happen to you guys. You guys have been good neighbors. I totally support that and I'm psyched that you're gonna be training uh, CNC machines. Thank you. Thank you, Councillor Delarco. Any other counselors? Uh, the only thing I'd add is I one hundred percent support uh, this resolution. I think it's the right thing. Uh, I think it's the right thing for the community. I also feel that it's uh, an investment in the future for the town, and there's nothing more, there's nothing better we can do than to invest in our future. Uh, and I applaud the, you know, the CNC machines. Mm. We have six of them at my our manufacturing <laughs> facility. We have two operators because we can't find anybody to offer. No. Uh, so seeing a training, <laughs> <laughs> seeing a training facility coming down is a wonderful That's thing, it's it's sure. Great. Uh, and looking back, uh, as Councilor Jones and Councilor Delarco and some of my other fellow councilors have been here a long time, uh, we're here when these gifts really uh, started to take shape, and why we put them in place. If they were not a good thing for a community, nobody else. But they are a good thing for the community. And that's why they're there. And that's why they're there. So, is there anyone, oh, <laughs> is there anyone in the audience? Yes, go ahead, Steve. <clears throat> Steve Sherlock, Ted Lawrence Drive. Let me just take the opportunity, as since I've had the opportunity to watch this body and over the years that I've been reporting, et cetera, it's my rec recollection, I think I confirmed with uh, Brian earlier, you've got three active tips with Hamilton Technology, Integra Medical, and Cold Chain certainly mm -hmm. made the big news uh, last year, obviously, with the uh, packaging extent they do. Uh, there are uh, two main reasons, clearly, as a taxpayer, I am all for this. Um, the 80-20%, we need to grow the industrial base. This is new growth in the industrial base so that our tax rates, rates will be equitably distributed amongst everybody that's here. This is the perfect opportunity. Now, I think you can also have the opportunity because you've already defined a specific economic zone, you could make it more 
broad so that it would hit to Consular Frangelo's point in terms of enabling it for others. That's in your call, I think, because you set it up specifically to zone the targeted industrial park areas. You can consider and change it. So I would consider that as a suggestion as well. I am definitely for this because it helps us, helps them. It's a win-win. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the audience? Anyone in Zoom land? Okay. The vote will finally come on the motion to approve uh, resolution 22-44, a majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. No. Aye. Opposed? No. I'm confused. Uh, I'll raise a hand. Two. Two Yeah. So seven to two. Motion carries. Okay. Next uh, resolution 22-45. Transfer of care, custody, management, and control of Davis Stair Elementary School from the School Committee to Town Council. The clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I have been looking forward to reading this resolution. <laughs> resolution 22-45, transfer of care, custody, management, and control of town-owned property containing the building known as the Davisdale El Elementary School from the Franklin School Committee to the Franklin Town Council <clears throat> for municipal purposes. Whereas the town owns improved property containing a building known as the Davisdale Elementary School located at the northeasterly corner of the intersection of Union and West Central Streets as shown on the Franklin Assessor's Map 278 as parcels number 213. Town references to Norfolk County Registry Deeds Book Number 163 page 32 and page 33, deeds and plan of land here and after known as the property for school purposes. And whereas General Law Chapter 40, Section 15A, sets out uh, the procedure to be followed when the town-owned property is no longer needed for specific municipal purposes for which it is held. And whereas the Franklin School Committee has determined that the property is no longer needed for school purposes, and as provided in the state statute, has given written notice of its determination to the Franklin Town Council, by a memorandum dated June 22, 2022, a true copy of which is attached here to as Exhibit 1. Now therefore be resolved that the Town of Franklin, acting by and through its Town Council, hereby transfers the care, custody, management, and control of the property from the Franklin School Committee to the Franklin Town Council for municipal purposes, as provided in General Law Chapter 40, Section 15A, and directs that the true copy of this resolution be recorded at the Norfolk County Registry of Deeds, this resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 22-45. Second. Motion and a second. Uh, discussion, Jamie. Through you, Mr. Chairman. So um, before you, before the council tonight uh, is asking to approve this resolution, which will uh, formally transfer the care and custody uh, and control of the Davis Thayer Elementary School parcel in the building uh, from the school committee to the uh, town. Um, and uh, I just want to mention that this, uh, there is no determination, obviously, of use. There's going to be a longer process. Happy to talk about that tonight if folks want, but um, it's going to be uh, recorded as a deed right now for municipal uses. Uh, depending on what the council eventually decides, that may have to get updated at that time, but at least it leaves the door open uh, at the current time. So happy to uh, answer any questions the folks may have. 
Thank you, Jenny. Questions or comments from council? Uh, Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and this is to our town administrator. I know for at least the last year, Davis has been used for public school storage. Mm -hmm. Has that equipment and materials now been removed and put somewhere else, or is the building still mm -hmm. being used by the school department? It is being, uh, the materials have not, uh, the material, well, I should say, some of the stuff that was in Davis there has obviously gone to other schools. It is not as much as people think. Um, so there is still a fair amount of surplus property in there. Um, and it's being used by storage from both the municipality and the school district. Um, in fact, a lot of our PPE is in there and a whole variety of rooms filled with things. Um, I just want to mention one of the things that about that that's that's complicated is disposing of desks or you know other stuff. It, this this is a really laborious and long process that is not going to get cleaned out quick. Um, so it is not just a vacant open school that uh, that we can just move into and start doing things. in. aside from the ADA issues and other things, um, you know it takes a while to dispose of surplus property. The school district does a phenomenal job of that. Miriam's been doing it for a long time. We try to sometimes donate things when there aren't bidders, um, and sometimes people don't even want free stuff. <laughs> really? And so we go, well, what do we do with a hundred broken desks? Making that up to chairs. So, um, uh, so it is still filled with stuff, Councilor Cormier. Thank you. Thank you. Outside Council Cormier. Yes. Uh, Council Plagger. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. What did you mean when you just said it has to be used for municipals? It just is a it's a catch-all umbrella term uh, as opposed to deciding and recording at the registry what the use would be so in other words so in other words you could label it a uh, you know recreation center you could put it as something else but that's the only use you can then do it as when you record it so if you record it as municipal use it's a much broader term until a final use is determined. And then whenever that use is determined, then the registry will go through the registration process again, the registry, and record it as whatever the council deems they want to use it as, or if they dispose of the land or whatever. I'm just, I'm not saying you're gonna do that or I want it, I'm just simply saying that there's a lot of decisions to be made about what that building can and cannot be. Okay, but it does not have to be municipal reasoning to use that building. You don't have to use it for municipal. Um, if as in as a municipal building, you don't have to use it. I mean, if we wanted to do it for housing, if we wanted to do it for veterans, if we wanted to do it for so many other things, we would be able to do that, right? Eventually, you eventually we'd be able to change. We'd have to change anything right. the town is doing itself. Is a, is a municipal purpose. Yeah. Whether you have a general municipal purpose or a specific one, it's still a municipal purpose. In some cases, there are specific uh, town departments, what have you, uh, that carry those out. For instance, recreation, as was alluded to, or veterans, the COA, or what have you, and then by default, the council holds any other property that the town owns and is using for things that don't fit into a specific category. As we are being open to other things other than just municipal This is this is for the record. Yeah. Okay. This is special. For the record, makes it clear that it's been transferred from the school 
to the municipal side if you want. Okay. Okay. Then we can change a use anytime right. we want, but we need to get it into our hands. Okay. That's, that's what, that's what this is. Okay. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. You're welcome. Uh, any other questions from council? <laughs> Anybody in the audience? Okay, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-45, uh, two thirds majority votes required. So, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Okay. Glenn, it's probably worth eight. noting that Brian's starting to run out from the tool it's only eight. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate that. Okay, resolution 22-46, gift acceptance, historical commission, $2,000. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Resolution 22-46, acceptance of gift, historical commission, whereas the historical commission has received a generous donation in the amount of $2,000 to be applied at the commission's discretion towards preservation, protection, and development of the historic and archaeological assets of Franklin. Donation summary, Historical Commission, $2,000. Donated by, donated by Emmanuel uh, Boa Bolakis? Trump Bolakis. Trump, thank you. Bolakis. Okay, a lot of names today. Now, therefore, be resolved that the Town Council of the Town of Franklin, on behalf of the Historical Commission, <coughs> gratefully accepts this generous donation to be used at the discretion of the Commission as described above. This resolution to become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin local charter. Move resolution 22-46. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, Jamie. Uh, through Mr. Chairman, so as the memo says, uh, the next two resolutions are generous gifts by the uh, Bombalakis Trust um, that Mark and Julie in the office have been working for, and we just thank uh, the state for their incredibly generous donations to both the Historical Commission and the Disability Commission. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, questions or comments from the council? Thank you. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-46. A majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 22-47, gift acceptance, disability commission, $2,000. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 22-47, acceptance of gift. Uh, disability Commission, whereas the Disability Commission has received a generous donation in the amount of $2,000 to be applied at the Commission's discretion to advocate for persons with disabilities as needed in the town of Franklin. Donation summary, the Disability Commission, $2,000, donated by, donated by Manuel now, therefore, be resolved that the Town Council, Town of Franklin, and the Upper Disabilities Commission gratefully accepts this generous donation to be used at the discretion of the Commission as described above. The resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Charter. Move resolution 22 47. Second. Motion to second. Discussion? Same thing. Uh, actually, same thing. We just want to thank the family for the generous donation for both the Historical Commission and the Disability Commission. The vote will now come on the motion to approve resolution 22-47, a 
Again, a majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, bylaw Amendment 22-881, Chapter 7, Affordable Housing Trust Fund. That's actually scheduled. Add Vice Chair and Clerk positions. This is a first reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is a first reading of Bylaw Amendment 22-881, a bylaw to amend the code of the town of Franklin. At Chapter 7, Affordable Housing Trust Fund, Section 7-5, Organization, and Section 7-7. Meetings quorum. Be enacted by the Franklin Town Council of the Code of the Town of Franklin, Chapter 7, Affordable Housing Trust Fund, is hereby amended at Section 7 5, Organization, and Section 7 Meetings quorum as follows. Uh, subsection 7 5, Organization, uh, delete existing paragraph and insert the following paragraph in its place. 7 5, Organization, the trustee shall annually, annually elect one trustee to serve as chairperson, one trustee to serve as vice chair, one trustee to serve as clerk. The town administrator shall not be eligible to serve in any of these positions. The chairperson shall preside at meetings and shall be responsible for calling all meetings except as provided in paragraph 7-7. Uh, for timely preparation and posting of meetings, agendas and otherwise complying with those requirements of all meeting law. Uh, General Law Chapter 30A, subsection, subsection 18-25. The chair, uh, vice chair shall preside at meetings and perform the other duties of the chairperson in the absence of the uh, recusal of the chairperson. The clerk shall have the responsibility to ensure that the accurate and timely meeting minutes are prepared, and the chairperson may establish subcommittees and or ad hoc task-related committees to carry out the purposes of the trust fund. Chairpersons of the subcommittee may be selected by the members of the subcommittees. Subsection 7-7, meetings of quorum, delete Mass General Law Chapter 39, Subsection 23, uh, the open meeting law, and replace this open meeting law, General Law Chapter 30A, Subsection 8225. The bylaw should become effective in accordance with the provisions of the Town of Franklin Bowman Charter. I move bylaw amendment 22-881 to a second reading. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, uh, the the this bylaw amendment uh, was at the request of the Municipal Affordable Housing Trust. Um, the bylaw, it was pointed out to us, does not have a clause to have a vice chair or a um, or clerk of that board where everyone else does um, and so um, they've asked us to uh, consider revising the bylaw and that's what the paragraph replacement is in the bylaw is to replace it to add that language and I believe the town attorney also added updated language on the open meeting law uh, statutes while we're here. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Questions or comments from the council? Anyone in the audience? Okay, the vote will come on the motion to move bylaw amendment 22-881 to a second reading. Again, a majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Bylaw amendment 22-882, chapter four, administration of government to authorize town clerk to make format changes. First reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, this is bylaw amendment 22 882. Uh, this is a first reading bylaw amendment to Code of the Town of Franklin, the Chapter 4 Administration of Government, Article 4, uh, Prosecution and Amendment of Bylaw, Sections 4 13, Amendment. 
Being enacted by the Franklin Town Council of the Code of the Town of Franklin, Chapter 4, Administration of Government, Article 4, Prosecution Amendment of Bylaws, Section 4-13. Amendment is hereby amended by adding the second sentence as follows. Section 4-13, Amendment, these bylaws shall be amended in accordance with the procedures set forth in Article 2, Section 6 of the Charter. Whenever the Town Council votes to amend these bylaws, the Town Clerk is authorized to renumber, re-letter, and or take any other action necessary to reformat the amendment and or any existing section provisions within that existing chapter of the code of the town, frankly, to fit within the established format of the code. This bylaw should become effective in accordance with the provisions of the town of Franklin the Charter. Move bylaw amendment 22-882 to a second reading. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, James. Mr. Chairman, so this is a proposed bylaw that's coming from myself, uh, the town clerk and town attorney, um, to clarify in a bylaw to add in a section uh, that does allow the town clerk to administratively renumber or reformat bylaws in our town code uh, that may be inconsistent with one another. What incubated this was basically the stormwater bylaw. It's so complicated and so long. General Code did an excellent job in highlighting that there was some inconsistent numbering. We later took care of that with a stormwater bylaw amendment. We clarified that. But the exposure of the issue, even if it's rare, um, this bylaw amendment has been also enacted in other communities, and Mark has some pretty significant experience with it, where instead of having to come back and revise something where general code picks something up, um, it's just an administrative feature. Um, and so that's really the entire intent and the entire language. If you read it, it's very self-explanatory. Um, and uh, it just allows an extra level of administrative protection to make sure uh, that our town code is consistent with another. People may say to me, well, why don't you get it right before you put it in the council? <laughs> right? Um, and that's true. But our town code is extremely long. We are extremely busy. We're imperfect people. Sometimes we just miss a couple things of numbers or what referenced in another chapter and back and forth. That's why we hire general code to quality control our town code. And they really do a phenomenal job. I mean, for the price we pay, I don't even know how they, how they do it. Um, and so this is an additional feature, I believe, that's been done in Medfield and other towns. Uh, and so that's before you tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Mark, anything to add? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, questions or comments? Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Through the chair to uh, town administrator. So, just so I understand, like, who does it now? The town, the code? Yeah, there's a company. So what we do internally is when we write a bylaw, like say a housing bylaw, because that's coming up. Yeah. You know, the staff will draft it. There's multiple reviews by our tech review team, the town attorney, myself, and we, we do the best we can, obviously, to make sure we've contemplated every statutory reference throughout the entire code. But the great thing about general code, and I didn't really realize this actually until recently, I thought they just took what we did and threw it up online, and they were just our online service. But come to find out, it, I mean, Debbie's shaking around. Yeah. When you come to find out, they quality control the entire thing. Oh, okay. And, uh, and they make sure when it goes online that everything is organized, numbered correctly, that the references to other code references match up. Um, and when the stormwater first bylaw went through a couple of years ago, because there's other sections of our town code that have stormwater in it numerous times, there was a few places that things weren't numbered correctly. Um, and. We fought with it for a little while, but we were too busy to deal with it, saying, 
well, do we take this whole huge bylaw back to the council for two readings? Call it, you know, general code already had it fixed for us. And so this allows legally for the town clerk and general code to fix those renumberings and those reformats to make sure everything in the code. So when customers go online and look things up, which I know everybody does every day, <laughs> the general code is as accurate as it is up to date. And our clerks, you know, our office has always done a great job getting all the bylaws into general code. So this will allow general code to update things without it having to come to us. It, well, it goes to Nan. It goes to right. So general code wouldn't fix Gen it. General code would go to no. Nancy, the clerk. What? No. No. Mark. So what happens is general. I don't know what the lead time is, but it's not in real time. There's some delay between the time you folks pass it and the time it gets sent to general code okay. to update. General code then goes to a review, and they'll call the town clerk up and say and reference a bylaw or something, and say there's an inconsistency, the numbering's not correct, or whatever. You could go through right now and find here and there little editor's notes yeah. in the general code yeah. format that they've added. So this is just one that's that's just good practice as a backup because nobody's perfect. Right. So, so that would mean that if general code finds something, they could contact our clerk and the clerk can fix yes. it. Right. Yeah. Without Correct. us having to say, okay. Correct. All right, good. <laughs> That's good, I like it. It's more efficient that way. Um, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just a, just a quick, just a quick um, question in the way it's worded. Um, as part of the line, it states that the town clerk is authorized to number, view letter, and or take any other actions necessary to reformat the amendment? Um, to what extent does that mean they can reform it? Paragraphs around the things that or insert something that should be in one. It's not substantive stuff. It's purely pure housekeeping. That's great. Reformat. Uh, any other councilors? Councilor Plagrey. Um, first of all, I'd like to give praise to General Code yeah. because it's a wonderful company. Uh, back in 1989, when we went towards doing um, a general review of all of our bylaws, uh, we interviewed quite a few companies and that one stood out. And to this day, I think Nancy will agree, they do a yeah. fantastic job. Um, we have always changed some numbers or um, little pop, no wording. Nothing, no wording was ever done. But we sometimes had to change a chapter number. And I don't know, Mark, if it was you or it was Mark's, um, the one before you, or what, Landon, said that the number is not part of the bylaw. That can be changed. There's no problem whatsoever. So over the years, that is what happened. If we had chapter 222, and we had um, places in between, General Code was able to move chapter 222 to another number. Um, well, this just makes it clear it's legal to do it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah it just makes it clear that it's legal to do this. Uh, if you can't yeah. believe attorneys, who can you believe? <laughs> I can't believe they said that. <laughs> they don't have the present company included. Um, so 
anyway, back to General Cohen. They've always done a wonderful, wonderful job. And that's why we pay a little bit more for it, because they do this editorial review when they get the bylaw. And they set it all up for us and makes the clerk's job a little bit easier because bit. of that. Absolutely. And a good relationship with them. Um, Absolutely. It's very important. Very important for the clerk. And we did. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Pellegrini. Any other councilors? Anyone in the audience? Okay, the vote will come on the motion to approve or move bylaw amendment 22-882 to a second reading. All those uh, majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution. 22-55, Town Council's local authorization and approval for conduct of 2022 state elections as required by Chapter 92 of Legislative Acts of 2022. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 22-55, the Town Council's local authorization approval for conduct of 2022 state elections as required by Chapter 92 of Legislative Acts of 2022. Whereas the Massachusetts General Court has enacted Chapter 92 of Legislative Acts of 2022, entitled an Act Fostering Voter Opportunities, Trust, Equity, and Security, which imposes certain obligations on local authorities with respect to the conduct of state elections, including authorization of police details and approval of early in-person voting schedules. Now, therefore, be resolved by the Franklin Town Council, acting on behalf of the Town of Franklin, that as provided in General Law Chapter 54, Section 72, as amended by Chapter 92 of the Legislative Acts of 2022, the Town Council hereby authorizes the minimum number of police officers that will be present at the polling location, which is Franklin High School, for the 2022 election as follows. State primary, uh, on 9-6-2022, two officers, one side, and one outside. State election for 11-8-2022, four offices, two outside, two inside. The town council approves the early in-person voting schedule for the state primary election attached here to as exhibit one, and this resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the town of Franklin from the charter. Move resolution 22-55. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, Jamie. Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, so this is a, uh, a, a reality of the new law that was put into place this year on, on uh, voting access. Um, she's been sitting here patiently and, uh, with a big smile on all night, so why don't we give her some face time? Maybe the town clerk can come up and explain exactly what's going on here? Sure. Please. <laughs> all right. You Thank stretch. you. I know. It feels good. <laughs> Thank you, everybody. So yes, there have been a lot of changes to the election laws, um, and some of those changes are in-person early voting. So we do have to, for the state primary, offer a full week of in-person early voting, hence the schedule that you have in front of you. Um, early voting will be done at the high school, and um, our hours are gonna be, the days and hours are August 27th, Saturday, from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. The state gave us the option of doing six hours for the whole weekend or three hours per weekend day. We opted to go the six hours on Saturday and have a day of rest on Sunday before we start on Monday again. 
Um, so the 27th, Saturday, 9 to 3, the 29th, Monday, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., the 30th, 9 to 3, that's a Tuesday. Wednesday, our late day, we're gonna do 9 to 5. Thursday, 9 to 3, and then Friday, again, 9 to 12. And after those hours, people can certainly come to, you know, there's an hour between the time we close at the high school to the time we close here at the town hall. They can certainly come to the town hall to vote. Um, and we're closing an hour at the high school just to transfer everything and then start our day when we get back here. So um, basically, that's it. Um, Mail-in voting is here to stay. So the state will be sending out cards again this year to vote in elections. If you complete your card, you will be sent a ballot in the mail. If you've already requested a ballot be sent to you, you do not have to fill out that card. Please don't fill out that card if you've already requested one. Um, any questions? Questions from the council, Councilor Chandler. One quick question. I know there's new rules here, but are we, this may be towards Jamie too, um, are we getting any money for this? Or we have to pick up the tab for it? My budget's already out of whack. Because of this. Um, we may get some money. Uh, I'm not sure how much. I do um, do a schedule of what we've spent, yeah. and they may send us some money. I don't know how much but I certainly will ask for money. Okay, yeah, because I mean, added police officers on Saturday. I, mean, I know, a pretty big I know, mm -hmm. TJ's budget's out of whack, I already do, right? Well, <laughs> not so sure, it's July 20th. <laughs> yeah. like, well, it's, we're not even making it in the fiscal year yet. Just, before we start getting the budgets out of whack, uh, to answer Councilor Chandler's uh, question, it, let me put it this way, we will get reimbursed a small portion of it, it will, it will not be anywhere near the full cost. And as I've explained to both the chief and the town clerk, look, these are some of the growing pains of that ballot access. At the end of the day, at, at the end of the day, this is about giving way more people access to vote. And it's gonna be a little bit of a learning experience. I think that Nancy's budget and TJ's budget, we will work those out hopefully in November. I don't see the cost going up to, you know, we're not talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. You know, we're talking about another five to ten thousand dollars, probably, uh, for police detail. But now we're learning. They passed the law. We went through it two years ago. You know, people in town clearly loved it. And in the next budget, in FY '24, it'll probably reflect the more accurate cost of how we're learning and experiencing. And even the chief came to me and said, "Do we really need four? And you know, and we said we're going to do three, but we want authorization for four in case we need somebody else. We don't want to come back and get another vote." <laughs> Um, you know, I am disappointed, and I'll say it, I'm disappointed that we, we used to have, the clerk used to have the power to be able to just appoint the officers. Well, just like they do at the state, just like cable fees, they're now making you all vote on the amount of officers for every election. So you're going to see this as another resolution before every, before every election in perpetuity. So um, there's some changes going on, but ultimately it really is about voter access, and so these are all good things. It is Thank a good thing. You know, Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Is there any other counselor? <coughs> Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve <coughs> resolution 22-55. The majority votes required. 
All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Sorry for the late hour. No, 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 no. She's enjoying the message. Oh, she's sitting here having my coffee. Moving, moving, <laughs> moving on. Town administrator's report. All right. Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, uh, really quickly, um, just the, you know, I, I put two items on there on the town administrator's report in case there were questions. I figured there, there might be. The first one is a new procedure we have in town for what's called a LIP project, which is otherwise known as a friendly 40B, uh, in uh, converse to the angry 40Bs out there, which we all used to know. Um, this is a good thing. Uh, ultimately, I we put this process together as a staff. We worked on it really hard at Tech Review. Um, and one of the reasons why is, is because under a friendly 40B process and under a LIP, the local incentive program, initiative program, the town council is actually one of the required votes to actually approve a housing development. Okay, And the Zoning Board of Appeals is also another required vote under the law to approve the housing development. Um, we are obviously, this board is not traditionally in that position to be a planning board-esque department and talking about mitigation and traffic reviews and, and peer reviews and all these different things. And I think for the overall, as just going through the Franklin for All project, um, I think a lot of people in town, obviously, and all of you hear it, a lot of passionate views on growth, development, and housing. Uh, we as a staff thought it was uh, uh, advantageous to help all of you help other boards and committees, including the zoning board, um, to put in an administrative process that gives a lot more clarity to people, or prospective applicants, um, uh, on what the process is to approve a friendly 40B in Franklin, because we don't do those in Franklin very often, because we've often been under 10%. And I did feel personally myself, I won't speak for all the staff, but I think most agreed, I thought it was inappropriate given the uh, high level of knowledge that most citizens have, the Planning Board and Conservation Commission in particular um, are, the, are the bodies that traditionally deal with approval of housing, to give them an opportunity at the beginning of this process to at least have a chance to have a non-binding review of those projects. We cannot make them binding. The process is what it is in state law, so we have to follow some piece of it. And so, in working with the staff, you know, uh, a 30-day review is short. It is not long. On the other hand, we don't want to do 90, 180 days because this is not the same type of process that it would, and they're not the same types of projects that the planning board would necessarily see. Some they might, some they wouldn't. Um, and I'm not sitting here pretending to say that I've got this perfected to a system that's going to perfectly work and everybody's going to be perfectly in line. We're trying this out. This is something fairly unique. Um, the other benefit to this process is before a project comes to the town council or the ZBA, there's already been public input, there's already been public education, there's been some public vetting on these projects. So all of you and the zoning board and DHCD, because it does require state approval, at least we can help educate some of the members of the public of what a friendly 40B project might be, what the impacts are, and what the mitigation might be, and also what is their feedback. They may have ideas as well as oftentimes comes through the permitting process. So um, 
again, uh, we put this out there as an administrative item, um, and people may say to me, well, why, why, why now? Um, and the real reason is, is because um, there's been uh, at least three and possibly a handful of rumored projects uh, of these types of projects coming uh, to my office. Um, people have called me, they've called Mark, Brian, Amy, all of our staff asking, what's the process? How do we do this? We have somebody that might be interested. We have a developer, we have a landowner. And as we went through as a staff, uh, this is one of the best uh, products that we can come up with to say, at least if I'm a developer, I know the process and the timeline or client. If I'm the council or approval mechanism body, you're the Zoning Board of Appeals, at least you have some lead time to understand what the Planning Board's view might be, what the wetlands view might be. Um, and I think that this, and my hope is, is that this will provide for uh, a, a, a proposals that at least have a chance to come before a board like the town council. Um, this does also not limit the town council at some point from coming up with uh, uh, requests that you may have out of a project developer. This is just an outline. I've gotten a, uh, a lot of support from the planning board and some other agencies on this, uh, from the town staff, and I just want to speak to some of the folks that are on those boards, on, on town committees that have come to me with comments. I, I understand that there's a lot of other ideas out there in a process like this. I fully understand that um, that this may be confusing over time for some people. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, there's nothing that prohibits the council, the CPA, if one was to ever come forward. There's nothing that prohibits any of you from saying, you know, we want you to go do this. We want you to research this. We want you to consider this. This is what the community feedback is. I'd like you to consider these things. You're essentially going to be potentially in a regulatory, uh, uh, in a planning board type atmosphere. And I do think it's very important that there's some lead time and some community conversation before we get to the council. So uh, the process is written out here. Um, and we'll see if, you know, if any of these projects come to fruition that are rumored to come, come aboard. Obviously happy to answer any questions that people may have. Uh, and then the second thing I just want to point out on the list, um, I hope to have it drafted and done, but um, as I mentioned in the budget narrative, I am going to be getting back in the habit of having the town administrator's uh, five-year fiscal forecast. Um, I'll give you a quick preview. I hope it's going to be in the next few days. But uh, unfortunately, uh, as we're seeing, and inflation is finally settling in to, uh, at the local level. And uh, we've seen recently, as uh, Council DeLorco and many others see, uh, price for steel, goods, services, plastic. Um, I'm going to give you one example that will be in there. We went out uh, recently with a $200,000 deal with DCR to do that land swap on the SNET trail. Well, DCR had asked us to do $200,000 worth of work. We all agreed. Nobody's been complaining. We go through Conservation Commission. We get the project permitted. We're ready to go. Mike Maglio goes out to bid. We estimated $200,000 for labor and materials. All costed out on a spreadsheet by DCR with the staff. We all agreed. It was very done. Well, the bid just came in. The lowest bid came in at $400,000. The yeah. highest bid came in at eight hundred. dollars The memo will say you're now FY23 is going to be our year to see what the effects of inflation are on the cost of services. <clears throat> and so uh, in the memo, unfortunately, we're gonna have to be in a position over the next several months 
probably later in the year, where there just simply are not going to be a lot of projects that are going to continue to move forward. Interest rates, debt and interest, all the categories that we've been talking about, about the cost drivers of healthcare, are starting to go through the roof. And I think FY23 will be a challenging year, but we will get through it. And, um, and so that's what the fiscal forecast will highlight, is really looking out into the future uh, in the next year or two and what some of the dynamics are. And I hope to get, obviously, back into a rhythm uh, on a biannually basis to do those updates. So uh, that's the uh, administrator's report for this evening, Mr. Chairman. And if there's any questions, uh, happy to answer them. Thank you, Jamie. Any questions for Jamie? Okay. Uh, subcommittee reports. Uh, capital hasn't met. Uh, budget hasn't met. EDC has. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Yes, the EDC, the EDC met tonight, this evening, before the full council meeting. Uh, we talked a lot about the um, findings on the new style from the Land Institute. They gave us a really information-packed full uh, presentation, and uh, we just wanted to be able to talk about it a little bit more and uh, what it meant for our community. So um, Brian Tavener is gonna keep applying for grants to help clean up the site, and we'll revisit this regularly. Thank you. Thank you, Council while I'm thinking of it, uh, Council Frangillo, uh, any data news that we, uh, uh, I haven't given you an opportunity and I wanted to make sure that I gave you an opportunity to speak. Sure, thank you. It, you're, you're putting me on the spot a little, just yeah, I didn't know that I, was, I, I was going to, but uh, we did hire a new executive director, so that was pretty big. Oh. Yeah, that's why you put him on the spot. I didn't know he was going to ask until now. But, uh, it's, if someone she had experience, I can pull it up quick. Yeah, but but it's pretty big news because you know the, we were going. Gentry was going through a period of flux for a while. We had, the director had stepped down. We had brought a previous director back and. He just wasn't really ready or interested in taking on yeah. anything because he was there for a temporary thing. And so having someone there with a vision is now going to allow us to start having conversations to move forward. Um, and I continue to meet with people. It's, it's the thing that I hear the most at the senior center. Um, actually, just today, I know someone at a food pantry to hear some of their uh, concerns. So if you have concerns, have different experiences um, with Gatra, um, please do come to me because uh, now we're going to start making some progress. Um, with the director. Great. Great. Thank you. And I won't put you on the spot again, but <laughs> in that time frame, uh, cool. when we go through subcommittee reports, if you have any updates, just give me a little. Great. Thanks. Excellent. Okay. Uh, moving forward, future agenda items. Councilor Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I believe at our June meeting, we already talked about bringing this project before us as an actual discussion, not just uh, citizen comments. Is that on an agenda item coming up? I hope so. Yeah, it yeah. should be sometime soon. The next well, I'm months. just not sure which agenda to get on. No, no, that's okay. What will it be? A formal resolution for us to discuss? It'll be a discussion item first, and then. Okay. Okay. 
And then if, they, if it's the will of the council to go to a resolution, we would go to a resolution. It would first be on under discussion item. I'm just not sure which agenda we Because it sounded like from the uh, presentation that we heard that there was somewhat of a timeline before December to get through, Mr. Chairman. So, and just my reading State House News Service every day, I, you know, ultimately there's a commission that's delivering a report in a few weeks. There's going to be options on the table. There was a preview already of, uh, I believe, the predominant suggestion was some sort of aspect of nature. Pine tree, chickadee, uh, there's a variety of suggestions in the report. Yeah. I'm being serious. There was, a, there was, yeah, it was, there was, I'm, I'm just telling you what I know and read in the report. And I think that the legislature is going to take up whenever they take it up based on that special commission report. Um, so how that all jives with why we need to do the local vote, I don't, I don't know. I'd have to talk to Representative Roy. I will see him tomorrow. As any, we may want to bring this up to him tomorrow yeah. at the senior center hours. Um, I, just, I just know I read something on the commissions delivering their report in a week or two, and then the legislature will consider whatever they consider um, at the time. Anything else? No, thank you. Council Chamber, new business? Nothing at this time. Council of Council Chair. I was going to invite folks and nothing else. Uh, Council Fred Nothing new, new, but surveying on trails, climate, uh, parking, zoning, branding. I think they're all in discussion. Just, they're, yeah, they're I'm all anxious all. for them. Uh, <laughs> I'm just, We're anxious I'm just thinking of them. We, uh, we are too. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, our because we've we meet once in July and once in August. Uh, our July and August agendas, uh, as you can see, uh, are pretty full. We put it in an hour and it's already kind of close. So uh, it does uh, get cumbersome, but they are on the agendas as we, as we discuss. How's the hand? Nothing at this time. Thank you. Councilor Jones. Mr. Chairman, yes. Um, one of the things I'd like to add to a future gender item is Mini Miracle in 2019, we put forth a resolution in support of Franklin Ridge Senior Housing. And it, it states that we were strongly in support of development of the Franklin Ridge Senior Housing Development request that the Massachusetts Department of Housing and Community Development have help provide critical financing necessary in order to assist. I know Jamie's had this discussion many times. Um, it was, Jamie, Mr. Chairman, through you, Jamie, yeah. uh, clarification on what uh, Jan Jewell Associates came to, they couldn't get funding, I believe, last week because they had one portion of the project that wasn't yet completed, so they're gonna put forth for additional funding in January. Is that? I, I haven't talked to, through uh, Council Judge, I haven't talked to, to uh, John Juliet. Okay. I think we're applying for a grant, and I believe there's a advocacy letter there. It's this, basically the same one the council voted on, I think last year, Councilor Hanlon, um, where we brought one forward advocating for money on the, so the letter I think that is just a standard grant support letter uh, for an additional grant that uh, Mr. Jewell's applying for for Franklin Ridge. We just did get the $280,000 ARPA money yesterday. yesterday. Yes. So, slow but steady. <laughs> so, I guess, Mr. Chairman, I guess what I'm asking for is a request for a future agenda item is to just have um, put forth another resolution. Um, 
in support of Franklin Ridge because according to Mr. Jewell, who I did speak to, uh, he said that would go a long way in the application process to acquire uh, funding. Okay. Um, one other thing he mentioned also was it would be great to also get additional letters of support from not only the town council, but actually directly from the citizens themselves who may have a vested interest in seeing Franklin Ridge. Thank you. Thank you. Councilor Dillon. I have nothing to say. Okay, uh, Councilor Comments. Uh, Councilor Sherry. Okay, baby. Okay, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Councilor Frondilla. Uh, Cultural Fest is happening again, um, and they're selling flowers again. So 50 bucks, you get to be part of the community garden. Great way to support culture. The festival was an absolute blast uh, last year, September 10th. 12 to 6. Um, you can go on the Facebook page if you want to contribute uh, to the garden. Thank you, Councillor Fungillo. Councillor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I just wanted to send um, deep and heartfelt condolences to the Derrick family uh, for their loss. Um, to remind people about the farmer's market on Friday and the SNAP program has been going really great. There's a $10 match, so if you, you use $10 for your snap, you get $20 worth of uh, produce. Um, and a huge thanks to Dean Bank and the Franklin Food Pantry for um, providing those matches. And um, stay cool, it's hot, it's dangerous, mm -hmm. um, stay hydrated, and we'll see you in August. Thank you, Councilor. <laughs> Councilor Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. You people know how to throw a hell of a birthday party. Yeah. <laughs> oh, happy birthday. It was a leader meeting. It's, it's, it's been riveting. Wait till you see the cake. Yeah, I, I, just, I just can't wait. Uh, but I just want to uh, also thank heartfelt condolences to, to the Derek family for, for the loss of their son. And uh, wish everybody a very enjoyable Sunday. Thank you. Councilor Colby Ledger, Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. I had two congratulations, but I'll have three. Happy birthday. Thank you. Um, I want to congratulate uh, Stevie D'Angelo on his retirement. All those years. We're going to miss his knowledge. You know? And I want to say congrats to uh, Lucas. Good year. Um, he started his, his first uh, superintendent meeting last night. He looked shocked. Look like a superintendent. <laughs> so that's half the battle, right, Jim? That's half the battle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councillor Chairman. Uh, <laughs> Councillor Blandry. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. A couple of things I would like to uh, second of how we feel about the Derrick family. That was certainly a terrible loss. Um, I'd also like to mention. Carlo Jeremy's wife yes. had passed away, and Carlo was one of our counselors, and just so that we're all aware of that. And Stevie D'Angelo, one of my dear, dear friends, has just been such such a help with everything. You ask him for something, he does it. I know during the election time and that, he's always right there for you. And I know to the, um, the museum, he's also been right there for me. We're gonna miss him. Those are the types of people that we'd like to have on our D in our DPW. And 
as employees of the town, those that really care about the town. So Steve, good luck with anything that you're doing now, and we will be in touch. Uh, and I don't think we talked about the 4th of July celebration yet, and I would like to thank the committee for doing such a wonderful we haven't talked about it, right? No, no, no. We have not. We have not. Jamie's looking at me like, no. where were you? We did. <laughs> no, we um, no. shocked by the screen coming off. No. <laughs> like, oh, okay. We're within a stone's throw. <laughs> they did a wonderful job. I couldn't believe all the things that they had on the commons, including a Ferris wheel. My goodness. Uh, and there was still room for everybody to walk around and, and participate in things. It, w it was fantastic. So. I want to thank the committee for that. And that's about it. Thank, thank you, Councilor Flagler. Councilor Deluxe. Oh, I'm sorry, Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. That would be the 13th time, excuse me. <clears throat> uh, first of all, that's all. <laughs> Councilor Comey, I'll let you happy 27th birthday. Thank you. You're welcome. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, everything's been said. Um, I don't want to repeat anybody, and I just wanted to uh, just want to just simply say to everybody, please stay cool. Uh, it's going to be a tough week. Uh, stay safe. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Dolan. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. To you, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit here um, about the Derrick family. Um, Jim's been a really close, close friend of mine for the past six years, uh, and I knew Jack, his son Jack. Um, Jack struggled for the whole six years that we were that we've had the same coalition. Um, just just to give you a little background, when we started the Safe Coalition six years ago, it was Jen Knight, myself, Jim Derrick, and Jeff Roy, Representative Roy. First night we had a meeting after that big high school thing that we had. We we had a meeting down at the Franklin TV. There was, you know, maybe a few more people down there. I, I can't remember exactly, but I got a phone call that one of my friend's son was ODing, which was right down the street. So Jim, myself, Jen, and Jeff Roy went down there, I and mean, he was ODing. We called the Franklin PD, they came down. Now we have to get them sectioned the next day. And Brian knows exactly you know, he was probably on the job at the time. And uh, we were on the porch of that house, not knowing what to do. We started this coalition, did not know what to do. From that time to now, with the work of Jim Derrick and Jen and the rest of us, we covered 28 communities now. We have spoken in front of Congress. We have spoken in front of the Senate. We have three full-time employees, one part-time employees. We have many, many volunteers. Including the volunteers we have is the district attorney. We have judges on our, on our committee. We have court magistrates. We have doctors. And we, we go from getting somebody sectioned in probably three days to maybe four hours now. We can, we tied in with all the courts in Norfolk County. This is all because of Jim and, and Jen Knight. I mean, Jim has saved many people, my niece being one of them. My niece has been clean for five years. If it wasn't for Jim, 
getting her the scholarship down in Florida and the rehab, she would have been gone. Just to go show you how bad this disease is, he can't save his own friend, his own son. His own son has all the resources to do this. He's been in and out of rehab for the past six years. Could not, just to show you how bad it is. And I think one on the back burner, we were talking the other night in, in his living room when we found out that overdose deaths since COVID have gone up 30%. And that's not common, just the ODs. When I, text, I texted District Attorney Mike Morrissey to tell him that Jim's son has passed away, he said that that last weekend was so bad, he said, did he die? He didn't even know he, did. he passed away in the county, which he did. And then he said the county had such a bad weekend with deaths and overdoses. It was crazy. These kids are not even doing heroin anymore. They're doing straight fentanyl. That's how bad it's getting. But Jim also wanted me to say that Without the Franklin Police Department, and the fire department has helped, but mostly the Franklin Police Department, he said his son would probably be passed away two years ago. They have done such a great job. And that's going back to Officer Copeland, you know, Officer Baker, all the way to right now, uh, Officer Flynn and, and uh, Mike Konecki. They've, they've been, they were in the living room crying with Jim at the same time. So I'm just, so devastated for Jim. For Jim, he's such a nice guy, and he does so such great work. That you know, I can't, I can't tell you how bad he is. You know, in in, in the, he said the Franklin Police Department, Jack Flynn. He was speaking down in front of Congress. His son needed to be sectioned that day. He was going to fly back. Jack Flynn had the day off. He said, "You need to speak in front of Congress." He said, I'll take him and get section. Didn't get paid for it, he wasn't getting paid. Just to show you what kind of police department we have and how, how hard they have worked with us mm -hmm. with the Safe Coalition. That's just some of the some of the stuff that, that we have done. And I just wanted to say that to Jim. I'm devastated for Jim. I, I love you and, and, and uh, I just, just can't, I hope we can get through this. I think this is part of his recovery. Like he told me, getting the Safe Coalition started. He said, this is part of his recovery. He's a great man, and I am totally devastated for that. So, I love you, Jim. We'll get through this somehow. Thank you, Councilor Delaco. Uh, obviously, uh, my condolences to the Derek family and the Jeremy family. Uh, I also would like to you know, uh, congratulate the 4th of July committee for a uh, great celebration. I think uh, every time I went up there, every day I went up there, it was packed. And uh, we had pretty good weather for the majority yes. of it, so that hasn't been the norm in the last few years. Uh, but certainly congratulations to them. I think they did a wonderful job. It was unfortunate the fireworks didn't work uh, because of weather, but uh, I think that's something else will be coming down the road with that. And uh, once again, I'd like to congratulate uh, Franklin High School Unified Basketball. Oh, yes. Uh, it was awesome to have them uh, come before us tonight and getting an opportunity to recognize them for their achievement. So uh, congratulations again to them. And 
Uh, I hope I'm as vibrant at 100. <laughs> I don't know. And sharp. And sharp. I like it to come out of me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there must be something in those Budweiser's. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> okay, with that, uh, we do have uh, a need for executive session uh, for exemption three collective bargaining uh, DPW custodians, facilities, library, firefighters, police sergeants to discuss strategy with respect to collective bargaining if an open meeting may have a detrimental effect on the bargaining position of the public body, and I so declare. Clerk will read the... Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Mr. Chairman, is that... Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. And we will return to open session following executive session. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'd like to make a motion to enter into executive session for the purposes of collective bargaining. Uh, with the uh, collective bargaining of DPW custodians, facilities, library, firefighters, police charges to discuss the strategy with respect to collective bargaining. Uh, an open meeting will, may have a detrimental effect on the bargaining position of the public body. And that, as so the chair declares, we will be returning to open session afterwards. Second. Motion and a second. Uh, clerk will call the roll. It's roll call. Uh, yes. Yes. Chair. Yes. I dare to enter executive sessions. We will now enter executive session. I call the July 20th, 2022 uh, town council meeting back to open session and back to order. Uh, we have a few resolutions. Uh, before to continue and first resolution is resolution 22-48 ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the public library staff association and the town council clerk will read the resolution thank you mr chairman uh, this is resolution 22-48 ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the Town of Franklin and the Public Library Staff Association be resolved by the Town of Franklin acting by and through its Franklin Town Council that the provisions of memorandum of agreement uh, between the Town of Franklin and the Public Library Staff Association, the Massachusetts Library Staff Association, MLSA, and the American Federation of Teachers, AFT, uh, AFT Massachusetts, the AFL-CIO, dated July 20th, 22, are hereby ratified. The provisions contained in the memorandum of agreements shall be in effect from July 1st, 2022 to June 30th of 2025. It shall become part of the existing collective bargaining agreement and this resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 22-48. Second. Motion in the second. Discussion, Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So um, before you tonight, um, I'll just speak on this one really quick, but it'll represent all of the resolutions tonight that these are the ratification votes, uh, the formal ratification votes of the Memorandum of Understanding 
for the collective bargaining agreements for the uh, public library staff, the DPW union, the custodial union, the trades, public facilities union, um, the firefighters union, as well as the Franklin Police Sergeants Union. And um, uh, as you go through these, I just want to obviously thank uh, our HR director, Karen Bratt, uh, for her incredible leadership and work on all of these agreements and building uh, incredibly great relationships with all of our uh, union and, and uh, all the staff, really, uh, but our union representatives and just thank the department heads that participated and want to thank uh, the town council for their support uh, in, uh, in getting these contracts done. Um, and I uh, just want to thank all the employees for their incredible work, but I know everybody else is going to congratulate them as well. So uh, the next six votes are on each one of those individual to ratify the contracts. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-48. A majority roll call vote is required or roll call. Oh, no. Doesn't have to be. Would you like to do it anyways? No. 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 <laughs> Just don't want to get, don't want to give you the they might get So it's a majority vote. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 22-49, ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the DPW Union and the Town of Franklin. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Now that I have the mic, resolution 22-49, ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the Town of Franklin and the DPW Union. Be resolved by the Town of Franklin acting by and through the Franklin Town Council the provisions of the memorandum of agreement between the Town of Franklin and the AFL-CIO, Local 1298, Department of Public Works, dated July 20th, 2022, are hereby ratified. The provisions contained in this memorandum of agreement shall be in effect from July 1st, 2022 to June 30th of 2025, and shall become part of the existing collective bargaining agreement. This resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Public Charter. Move resolution 22-49. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. I just have a question. Sure. <clears throat> I wish there was a way that we could show that we would like to give 4% and we just can't do it. I mean, because they're going to read this, yeah, read the minute, and it's going to look not, like we just went along with 2.5%. That's not, that's out of order because we're talking about the motion to ratify the current contract. <clears throat> yeah. So that's what, that's what we're doing at this point. So, is there any other discussion on the uh, resolution 22-49? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-49. A majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 22-50, ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the custodians union and the town of Franklin. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 22-50. Uh, ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the town of Franklin and the custodians union. Be resolved by the town of Franklin acting by and through its town of Franklin town council. The provisions of the memorandum of agreement between the town of Franklin and the AFS-CME, AFL-CIO, local 1298. Custodians dated July 2022 was hereby ratified. 
the provisions contained in the memorandum of agreement shall be in effect from July 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2025, and shall become effective, uh, shall become part of existing collective bargaining agreement. The resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the town track and normal charter. Move resolution 22-50. Second. Motion to second. Discussion. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-50. Again, a majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 22-51, ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the Public Facilities Union and the Town of Franklin. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 22-51, ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the Town of Franklin and the Public Facilities Union. Be it resolved by the Town of Franklin acting by and through its Franklin Town Council. The provisions of the memorandum of agreement between the Town of Franklin, AFS-CME, AFL-CIO, Local 1298, Public Facilities Maintenance Employees dated July 20th, 22, are hereby ratified. The provisions contained in the memorandum of agreement shall be in effect from July 1st of 2022 to June 30th, 2025, and shall become part of the existing collective bargaining agreement. This resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 22-51. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-51. Again, a majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 22-52, ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the professional firefighters of Franklin and the town of Franklin. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 22-52, ratification of memorandum of agreement between the town of Franklin and the professional firefighters of Franklin. Be resolved by the Town of Franklin, acting by and through its Franklin Town Council, the provisions of the memorandum of agreement between the Town of Franklin and Professional Firefighters of Franklin International Association of Firefighters, Local 2637, dated July 20, 2022, are hereby ratified. The provisions contained in the memorandum of agreement shall be in effect from July 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2025, <clears throat> shall become part of the existing collective bargaining agreement. The resolution shall become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Hall. Charter. Move resolution 22-52. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve uh, resolution 22-52. A majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 22-53, ratification of memorandum of agreement between the Franklin Police Sergeants Union and the Town of Franklin. Clerk will read the resolution. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 22-53, ratification of the memorandum of agreement between the Town of Franklin and the Franklin Police Sergeants Union. Be resolved by the Town of Franklin that combined through its Franklin Town Council the provisions of the memorandum agreement between the Town of Franklin and Franklin Police Sergeants Union dated July 15, 2022 is hereby ratified. The provisions contained within the memorandum agreement shall be in effect from July 1st, 2022 to June 30th, 2025 and shall become part of the existing collective bargaining agreement. This resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Rule Charter. Move resolution 22-53. Second. Motion and the second. Discussion. 
Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 22-53. Majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, that completes all of the uh, resolutions. Uh, I would just take a second to say uh, thank you to uh, town administrator uh, and Karen, to our entire administrative team for doing a wonderful job and bringing all of these contracts to uh, fruition. And I'd like to uh, thank the union reps and all of our employees uh, for their understanding as we move forward with these contracts. And uh, again, thank you, uh, one and all. Is there anyone else that, uh, is there anyone else that would like to say anything? Okay. I would entertain Second. to adjourn. Uh, motion to adjourn. Second. Second. Not debatable. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed. Thank you, one and all. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.